so folks, the episode you're about to watch or hear is a tribute that uh, David and I did to our late dear friend, Leslie Barony. And we recorded this episode uh, just about two weeks after hearing of his passing. So as you can imagine, emotions are still pretty fresh and raw. And uh, something I noticed is that we never really established uh, a real timeline while talking about you know, our, our friendship with Les. So I wanted to put some perspective on that real quick, mentioning that it pretty much starts around 1999, circa 1998, 99, where I first came in contact with Les Barony and our professional and personal relationship grew up until 2021. And uh, as we're talking, you know, we're just sort of jumping through time a lot and it's hard to understand the amount of... Uh, of time that was spent it's together gone by, right? yeah, yeah. And, and it's yeah. gone by exactly so yeah. yeah i just wanted to point that out because yeah. that's and something i, I noticed wanted, yeah and i was just going to jump in to say if you guys are only listening to the audio version right now please check out the actual video version of this that we have up on youtube because uh david did a bunch of 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 uh editing to this video where he added tons and tons of photos yeah uh, over the years of our relationship with Les, and 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 it's just a really really beautiful uh, tribute to Les, and 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 it just uh, it's yeah it's much a, it, it's it's a, it, it's a visual love letter to uh, to Les as yeah. well, and you get to see a lot of images that I pulled from my personal archive. I'd say mostly ninety percent I was shooting, and then at least ten percent were by our friend Bill Herkenrath, who shot a lot of photos. Yeah. around whenever we went to openings or, or restaurants or anything. And and uh, plus sometimes people would pick up the camera and just take pictures. And there's yeah. a good, there's a good barrage of, of images throughout the decades. So it's a lot of fun to watch that to give a yeah, real, it's a, um, it's a real beautiful ride and a great tribute to us. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, enjoy this very heartfelt, emotional episode, a uh, tribute to Leslie Barony. Yeah, thanks for watching. Time has come for yeah. for us to talk about Les Barony. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's there's uh, there's been enough, not enough, but there's been a lapse of time now that I I feel like I've been mourning. Process. Yeah, processing yeah. and mourning the passing of our very good mutual friend Les Barony, mm-hmm. who passed away just um, uh, about two weeks ago. From this date when we're recording this, but you know, it's uh, it's been it's been it's been hard to revisit every time I have this conversation. It hasn't been often because I've only talked to a few people about this, including you, less than less than five people. And uh, every time I find it just very difficult because mm-hmm. he is oh. he was really uh, 
a very instrumental part of my development yeah. as an artist. Especially and your life, yeah, you know, like, I mean, I mean, I know, I, I knew less well, but I knew less through you and, 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 you know, he was a huge part of your life. Well, he, he, uh, everyone that, that we were friends with, he was a part of, he was part of the murder baby group. He was part of the gold mine shit house. He was like the, the fifth beetle of every group of friends yeah. that I've had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. It, you know, he would always fit in, even though he completely stood out, you know, as far as yeah. his, either his, you know, political views, which, you know, was probably the, the, the hardest thing to deal with about him for me. Yeah. Or, you know, just his... As long as you didn't bring it up, you were fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or, or as long as you were ready to get into it, you know, or deal, yeah. like if you're going to open up that can of worms, you know, prepare to like fucking choke on it. But, you know... Yeah. He, you know, he was, he, he always wore his heart on his sleeve and spoke his mind. You know, it was, he wasn't like a, um, it wasn't reckless about it, but he wasn't, he was, he was shameless about it. He didn't give a fuck, which was, mm -hmm. I think, an incredible part about him. But the, the point is that everybody that I knew closely knew him as well and had in one way or another a relationship with him or an experience with him. I don't think there's anybody I know who doesn't have a story about Les and you know how he how he ma managed to like get in their lives or be in Absolutely. their lives Absolutely. And, and help them. And if you were in that world, you you knew Les. You at least you at least knew who who he was and had an, and had some kind of an encounter with him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, yeah, you know, if, if if you lived in New York City for sure, you know. Yeah, especially through our circle of friends, which was associated with a kind of art scene that was more of the, you know, the avant-garde, underground, dark arts thing, mm -hmm. because he was most notoriously known for being the agent and, and best friend of H.R. Giger. Yeah. And, um, and so with Giger comes a certain ilk type, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and Les was like the... And, antithesis of this kind of ilk without being like an obvious about it you know you yeah you almost wouldn't guess how dark this man could get you know just by looking at him even though by looking at him like he had such a striking well that well, presence and look I, you know? absolutely absolutely the first time I, I think the first time i ever seen him mm. was that was at fuse gallery right so mm. at lit and that, and uh, I went to like a group show opening. I think it was a group show opening. Right. Uh, it was probably like some juxtaposed thing. And and uh, and he was in the room. I, I instantly thought he was like somebody famous because right. he had just this, this, this. He had that. It was probably winter time too, so he had like the the scarf that just looked like an astronaut. He wore that or scarf year, you know? year round. Yeah. Year round. He, his scarf was a and thing, man. The real thick eyebrows. You know, he had that. He had that Boris Karloff like look yep. to him. Or, yeah. You know, and he looked like an. He well, looks like a an, an old golden screen movie star. You know. Yeah. Totally. Uh, totally. Of, you know. And uh, and then and then the second time I ran at, into him was was. Well, maybe maybe it was later, but then ended up running into him at like probably like a shit house silkscreen party, or Ooh. maybe when you guys were doing the show uh, over in the Lower East Side or something yeah, like right. that, you know. And that, yeah, and then I was like, was oh shit, around. he knows Hawk Bomb and these right. guys, right? 
all that stuff, you know. And that's probably when I was introduced to him, you know. Also, he probably uh, at during the Woodstock Festival. What? That's right. That would have been like that would have been like the second time I probably ran yeah, into him. That yeah. would be on the earlier side, which is right around yeah. when we met as well. And that's probably actually when I was introduced to him because I probably introduced him maybe through Foss or something. I don't know. Yeah. But but. All through yeah. that, you know. That but yeah, group. that whole that whole world there. But the yeah. whole point of me bringing that up was just like, you know, the first time I seen him, and even even you know years later, just like looking at him, you know, when we'd be all hanging out partying or whatever, I just look at him and go, "Fuck, man, he looks famous." Yeah, striking is very striking <laughs> and, and and distinguished mm-hmm. and a creepy kind of handsome like. But like, like you said, the golden age of Hollywood handsome, like where it'd be like this dashing man, but who yeah, he also yeah. was the count of, you know, the haunted castle and yeah, yeah, know. exactly. Well, yeah, he looked like he belonged in that Universal mm-hmm. horror movie. Sure, like, you know, we're, we're, yeah, not a lot of makeup, just a little powder, you know, yeah. and <laughs> don't trim the eyebrows because those were distinct, no, no. you know, and uh, yeah, he he definitely had, um. And his voice also was very was very deep and yep. and and powerful and strong. And when he spoke, he always spoke with conviction, even if whatever it was about, usually about art or politics. Stay stay away from the politics, but usually about art. And he was very knowledgeable. What the stories, you know? Too. And I gotta tell you, you know, I don't I don't like harping on regretful things in my life because it's stupid and a waste of time. But I do regret that we never um, had him on our show, but yeah. the way that our show seemed to go sometimes, we, we dropped out for a year or we didn't do it and blah, blah, you know, whatever. It is what it is, and I hate that fucking phrase so much. But, yeah. you know, that's one regret is not to get some of his stories because once he gets going, it just goes off yeah, the rails. Un- unleash him. Yeah. yeah, but he would always talk with great knowledge about stuff. Yeah. And... um. You know, I want I want to share my story of absolutely of of how I know less too because I I mean I I also I don't know if we'll get to it or not but I would like to like ask other people their stories because they were always very peculiar and bizarre and sometimes some of I share the same stories with other people and I don't remember details I don't remember certain parts or you know I wasn't there for the whole thing but there are definitely certain stories that I share with other people that I would like to get their side of things as well. Uh, yeah. Because they're just, they're just uh, those quintessential New York stories as cliche as it is, but you know, that's, he was a no, night, no. he was a night owl. He, he, he was awake usually from the hours of like, you know, noon until about you know noon. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he ever yeah. slept. Actually, I know. I know. He's a total vampire. I I, I don't. I don't know. Like I mean. I mean. I mean. I'm jumping ahead here, but like, mm. like, so like, you'd have parties at Second Avenue, and yeah. that, or just, or just not even parties, just get-togethers. Whether yeah. we were playing poker or you, you were having a silk screen party or whatever. Or there was always that thing with drawing, me yeah. when I was like, is less gonna show up. And sometimes the fucking party or the gathering would be over. It'd be three o'clock in the fucking morning, mm-hmm. and I'd still be there. And there'd be a ring at the doorbell, yeah. and it's fucking less. Yeah, yeah, because chances <laughs> you know? are I'm part of his. And like, then we'd be up until five. Yeah, and that would that'd be like, eh, okay, well, this is gonna go a little while longer. 
you know, because yeah. he'd do his circulation, and a lot of times he'd wind up downstairs at the lit, and you know, you could only stand lit for so long, or he would be like, you know, talking up some girl, and then maybe it didn't work out, or maybe yeah, he yeah, wanted to yeah. show us who he's talking to, or he met somebody, sure. or he's at, he's entertaining. He would also entertain people coming through town. And, you know, take him around some of the, the spots. And that was one of them because it always yeah. had the Giger in there and he could drink for free forever. That was part of his deal with Lit is, you know, they he they would have a house, a Giger sculpture. They wouldn't keep yeah. it. They would just hold it there and show it. And he could drink there. Well, well, he, you know, it's also part great. of the deal of getting the Giger show. He had an exhibition down there, too. And, you know, yeah. it wasn't anything official. It was the unspoken. It was just known that, you know less drinks yeah. for free forever you know yeah yeah i wonder how many other bars he had that deal with i think maybe duff's bar as well he, he could oh yeah i'm sure yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah he would he would wind up in the out in the wee hours when finishing up downstairs you know buzz up to uh, smoke some joints and um yeah and it would always have that those serious coughing fits that you be like oh my god is he going to be okay? Yeah. Like, yeah. he would take these giant hits and he would always hold yeah. it in. No matter yeah. what, he would, like... It would fall off the fucking floor. It would be like, just let it out. Let it out. Let it no, out. I know. It's still going to hold it back. That's right. And then right afterwards, That's you know, right. he'd, he'd, he'd crack open another one of his cigarettes, you know, which I think was his... The, the His doing in was his smoking, heavy smoking, and he knew it all the time, but he fucking Sorry. would chomp on those. If you see any of his butts in the ashtray, they'd be like chewed on. They'd be like yeah, the, the the zigzag and like, because he's like, yeah. it's like a, some film noir guy. Like, hey, girl, tell you what I did with the bodies. <laughs> it was so him. God. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Luckily, here's, cheers to Les. Uh, here's to Les. Cheers. A fantastic friend and. And do-gooder. Mm-hmm. You know, for all all the darkness that surrounded him, he was a do-gooder. He, he, all he wanted to do was get people together and create exhibitions. He would bring artists together constantly. He introduced me to people all the time. He was always trying to finagle another show. The last time I spoke with him, we spoke about his next project, you know, and this was just yeah. a few weeks before he yeah. was, like, you know, gone. And, you know, it was always you know, that. Yeah, you know what I was, you know, I didn't tell you this, but it made me feel really good when you told me that he was wondering if I would be wanting to be involved with that project and stuff. Because I was always like, I remember he did a couple things before well into me knowing him. And I was like, why didn't he ask me to be involved? Like, I would always be like hurt. You know, I I think... but it is what it is. But but it's just it's it's you know you know. I could you tell know. you. I could probably guess on why, but I would expose you for who you are because I think yeah. you you project the presence that you are untouchable as far as like galleries and stuff like that. Like yeah. you're you're stopped, You're taken care of and stepping on toes of other like you're you're represented yeah. and you know. It, it, oh, it just never really, you know, because you were working with other other folks, and it was it was clear sure, who sure. you were working with, and maybe he just never yeah, wanted to step that, on those toes. You know, yeah, yeah, I didn't have time, or or, or wasn't willing, and, or and plus, you know, it, it just probably went over his head. You know, nothing yeah. nothing personal, I'm sure, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he did he did want you to be part of that last project, which yeah, you know, that was sweet. But that yeah. that was just him. That he was always. 
working on scheming on something, whether it was a magazine or this and that, or getting an article, an interview uh, with his artists, because he had his like small stable of artists that he he was constantly like hammering away, trying to do shows with and and stuff like that. And uh, actually, this uh, this glass that I'm drinking out of this is uh, from the Absinthe Bar, HR Gear Bar. He less gave me this. Okay. This, uh, okay, I got chalice. the same glasses, but they're not, they're not from the Giger bar. <laughs> yeah, well, this one says it's like got yeah, the uh, like yeah, that's on great, it, man. You know, which is yeah. So get it, I, I, yeah. I, I, I'd I'd love to hear it again and and, and get into well, like, yeah. I want to. I know this. you know the story. I want to share the story, so I'm going to talk yeah. to you as if you never heard it, and yeah. I want you to interject with questions constantly. Sure. I, but I think for this, I'm gonna. I, I already went through a fucking glass because we a little late <laughs> in getting the show started today. So I'm, I'm going to get a quick refill. But um, All right. Cheers once again. Cheers. To our good friend, Les Barony. Absolutely. Cheers, Les. Memories of Les. Yeah, I'm, I'm – I don't know, man. I'm still grieving. But I'm, I'm – like when, when, when I heard about his passing a couple weeks ago, it wasn't a shock because we knew it was coming. Yeah. And, um, and I immediately, you know – you know, felt like, luckily, I had uh, Juliet there to talk to about it immediately because I want to talk about it. And I want to talk about it with somebody who knows and understands my relationship with him. So he knows that he was he was like he was a mentor. He was a he was a, a, a real figure that I looked up to, like a good friend and a mentor. Right. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and also wanted I didn't want to say anything. I wanted to process this until I was ready to talk about it, deal with it the way I, I like to deal with it. And um, also his wishes to respect his wishes to not like post things about it. Like I, I, I never thought that I would immediately want to be like, oh, let's, let's pass away. I want to share the information with people because, you know, people know who I know, know him and I want them to know so that they can also grieve and mourn and, and yeah. just know what happened. But um, I know, man. To... That was a, a fearful, like, phone call to make mm. to you because I found out about it online, and then yeah, I, you know, contacted you. Right. Uh, you weren't the only one. Concerned that people. you might have not have known. You know what I mean? And right. Then I was like, oh man, this is the this. No, there be... were. You weren't. You weren't the only one. A few people wrote in and like just asked, "Is less okay?" Or blah blah blah, because word got out. I guess somebody posted something about it who was on, who didn't either didn't read entirely the email asking not to, or somebody peripherally heard about it, whatever. But I want to respect his wishes to not do anything until his body was resting with his mother. And which is, was his last, one of his last wishes back in, in Israel. So that time has come and passed and my mourning has come and, and passed My grieving is here and it's probably going to be here for, ever but um my my ability to be ready to talk about it and share like i want to share it now so that other people don't hear about it long after i'm already ready to talk about it you know yeah sure sure because there are people like in the shit house and and uh other friends whatever who should know anyway I'm going to ramble because it's difficult for me to talk about. Absolutely. So I start rambling a little bit because it's, uh, you know, my way of being dealing with emotions. I'm excited because I, I know where this is going. <laughs> but I do want to share my, I want to share as, as, as 
detailed as possible the, the, the story now of how I know less. But before we could talk about him, we got to talk about how I got to the place where I met him. And that was due to uh, a, a friend that I met named uh, Jacob Mickelson. It's a Danish friend who was living in New York at the time. He was living in a place called the Gershwin Hotel. Um, and he... Was the Gershwin famous like like the Chelsea or or, or, or... the Gershwin? I mean, it was known for for being kind of like an avant-garde art hotel. Like the whole outside so of the hotel had all this sculptural elements coming out. These plasticine like latex, not latex, but like fiberglass with steel looked like beaks and 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 wings coming out of the front. By a it was I think a Danish artist named Stefan Lindford who was like the owner of this hotel was a rich Swedish guy. Who liked yeah. art, or Danish guy who li he liked art and he wanted to represent, um, you know, Norwegian artists. So he was he would have them come out and stay in the hotel and live there, and produce art and produce parties. And Jacob lived there for free, and he would throw events, you know. And the funny thing is, before I even was living in New York, I went to a show. On the West Side that was run by I forget it was right before I moved to New York. It was an art show. And I thought it was the coolest shit because I was finishing my last year of art school in Boston. I went to a New York art show. I was like, this is the way that they're doing it. I want to get involved with this group of people. And I remember seeing this one artist work. And then I'm, it happened to be my, this guy, Jacob, who I met year, a couple of years later through another group of friends. That's he was wild. hanging out. He was hanging I out with like DJs. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's, it, it's really crazy how I wound up getting to know him and the woman who was running that show but I didn't even know that. Anyway, it's, it's just a fun fact. So yeah. Jacob living at the hotel, I met him through a group of friends and, um, he was, uh, he was into like DJ after party life kind of shit in New York in the, in the nineties, the mid and late nineties, because he was a big fan of the sort of Warhol school of art and social life. Yeah. Warehouse he was, yeah, he was hanging out with people like Billy Name, who was like one of Warhol's factory ex-boyfriend and 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 just yeah. factory people. Nikki Carson, who was also had an office in the Gershwin Hotel. Nikki Carson was another Warholian factory guy. I think he did uh, paintbrush uh, up his ass portraits and stuff and other work. sorts of things. And he he also um, ran a publication called Night Magazine that was based out of the hotel. Their office there. And so there was all this sort of nightlife, you know, late night social yeah. scene. And Jacob was a photographer. The he liked taking pictures. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Still hanging like, on to that 70s, like, you know, 80s. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like the last yeah. gasp of the the nightlife club, sure. club kid thing, right? Yeah. And so that ties in because, you know, skipping through our, our knowing Jacob a little bit. He, you know, I'm an artist. He's an artist. He, um... He got me involved with a possible installation at the limelight because he was you know, getting involved with the artist who was curating there named Lisa now, Almedi. What? At this point, Peter Gation's already in jail and all that stuff? No, no. I think Peter Gation at this point was already out of jail or has oh. been in jail. I don't know if he's been in jail back and, and he was extradited. He was sent back to Canada and, and stuff. At this point, Peter Gation is in New York. 
Yeah. And if anybody wants to know more about that story, just look at the limelight history. Yeah, Google limelight history. Yeah, I just history. realized I brought that up, and people probably don't even know that whole story. Some people yeah, well, might not even know the story. Due diligence. Anyway. Do your homework, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. But um, uh, so uh, he, he, he was working with a curator at the limelight, and he also was, like, working, you know, dear friends with DJs who were DJing in the limelight. And so he knew that he could get me a gig doing a, a installation on one of the ceilings. How long what? are you in New York now? How long are you in New York at this point? Uh, probably about five years. Five, five, oh, 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 years. Oh, oh, so you were back in New York for a while at this point already. A little while, yeah. Five years okay. isn't that yeah. long. Yeah. But um, I like Jacob also, another fun fact, which leads to this meeting of less, is he gave me my first... Uh, solo exhibition in New York at a gallery that was on the first floor of the Gershon Hotel. Now, it wasn't an established gallery. It was just a space, but the space was enormous. It was just this huge, very high ceiling, giant pillars made in brick walls. And I was able to take, you know, at least, you know, six years worth of work and, and install an entire exhibition and host it for a month. Anyway, so he got, brought me to the limelight to check out the space to see if I wanted to do this installation. And while, um, you know, we, we looked at the place and then while we were sitting at, down at one of the benches somewhere, down the stairs comes the art director of the limelight at the time. His name is Richard Barron. Now, Richard Barron was best friends with one of the first chef at, from Cafe Orlean in New York who was my father's best friend's restaurant. So, and, yeah. and the chef was Maggie. And Maggie was like from the early days, from like the, the 80s, she was like the chef. And I knew all these people like family because they were like my dad's best friends. And I he would yeah. party with them and he would take me along all the time as a kid. And so I knew all these people. And Richard Barron comes down the stairs and he's like one of those He's been through all the Club Kid years of the 80s in, in the club scene in New York, Studio 54, the, the, the Tunnel, Limelight, Club USA. Like, he was working with Peter Gation through all those years, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's he's a seasoned Club Kid, now art director of the Limelight. And he comes down the stairs, very skinny, energetic, flamboyant guy. And he's like, hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, hey, Richard, just, um, you know, I was here with my friend Jacob and he was showing me I think I might do an art installation I was like oh huh, that's crazy oh really cool you wouldn't happen to want a job would you um and I happened to need a job I just quit that job where I was um working for the photo archives and I used I got the job just to get my teeth fixed I got my teeth fixed and then I quit so I needed a job at that point I was like in that limbo period between jobs and I said actually I do need a job it's like really? I'm like, yeah, I do. He's like, okay, well, let's talk about it. And she told me he was be assistant to eventually take over his position because he wanted to leave that job. So he needed mm -hmm. to groom somebody to take his place. And so I, you know, I talked to him about what the job entailed, you know, pretty much just organizing, you know, parties and making sure the decor was there from New Year's party decor. The whole place was decked out to like every floor each week, certain party comes up. Yeah. I have That's to make a sure big all fucking venue, man. 
it's a very big venue. It's a lot of responsibility. And so I was in charge of like, I was his assistant learning how to hire somebody like me later, you know, pretty much. Yeah. So I, I got that job from that, from that visit to the limelight and running into Richard by chance. And in the first couple of uh, like weeks, in the first few weeks, Richard was telling me they're doing a big new installation on the top floor and they're getting this artist in here from uh, from uh, Switzerland. And, and, and like mm -hmm. H.R. Geiger, guy, this guy, this guy Geiger is doing it. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like oh yeah, H.R. Geiger doing a, doing a room. That's that's great. And you know, I'm, I never was an enormous fan of, of Geiger's. I knew his work. I knew, I remember when Alien came out in the movie theater, you know, like I was, I remember the doll, the plastic stand-up one from the yeah. 70s. Like I grew up with this shit. I know all about fucking Alien, but I wasn't like a, ooh, I got tattoos yeah. all over the place, whatever. It wasn't that deep, but I knew him enough to know that this guy is legit and that he had a bar in Tokyo or something. And he was doing a room in the limelight. And I thought it was weird because he's so goth. I always attributed him to like super goth, creepy shit. And this is the limelight where it's yeah. like, meow, 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 meow. you know, anyway, Super so and yeah, 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 just like clubby, you know, I didn't see how the aesthetic of this dark sort of very, very Swiss German style in like industrial yeah, feeling yeah, stuff yeah. It would fit in with the club, but you know, whatever, it, it's, it's not my club. It's, it's Gations. He can do what he wants. So, uh, when, when it, it was just starting right when I, when I was, um, began working there. So I met Les pretty quickly upstairs in the, in the top floor where it was. Have you ever been in the Giga room in the limelight? No, no. I've been Where's to the limelight it? a bunch, but, but, um, but that was after it was limelight, you know, probably. Right. Well, it no. was on the top floor. So it was like, you know, the eaves, it was very tall ceilings and stuff, but it was very like uh, creepy, you know, attic-y. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was very appropriate all you know the way it was de decorated and so i was the point man for the decor i didn't have to install the things myself i was a supervisor make sure everything was done well and right and the people who were coming to install were you know yeah, you were like i was representing the line yeah I, yeah exactly i was yeah. representing the, the club and giger's people were were installing the work so of course yeah. i met less because less was in charge of the whole thing and he you know if right at the bat like when he met me he was like he gave me this like all right kid you know like this yeah. is how it's gonna go and yeah you just make <laughs> sure you get me what i need and uh, you know everything's gonna be fine yeah and uh you know he he did come across as a, a bit scary but at the same time you know it 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 wasn't he wasn't putting on business. any airs about it. It wasn't putting airs. He was real. Yeah, it was not like business. Yeah, and he was caring about his artist. Yeah. Which in the long run, at the end of all this and after knowing him and everything, he I don't I haven't worked with an uh, with an agent or or gallerist and and I don't mean this to upset or or say you know anything bad about the people that anybody that I work with, but he took care of his artists. He protected his artist mm -hmm. very very much so anyway i that's how i that's how i first met him you know, mm -hmm. from this job and over the weeks you know i would see him nearly every day 
you know, and putting this up and make sure this is here, blah, blah, blah. And the conversation started getting a little bit more personal. And, you know, I let him know after some time. I remember I said, you know, I'm an artist too. You know, I, I even hear my voice like sound like, you know, I'm also an artist. <laughs> you know, I get just like. I like to draw. Yeah, I do. I do things. I try. And, and he's like, oh, yeah? Why don't you show you? Maybe show me sometime. And I said, well, actually, I have um, a show right now at the Gershon Hotel. And this coincided right when I was doing my solo show at the Gershon Hotel. And he goes, the Gershon, yeah, I, it's 27th Street. My office uh, is on the west side on 27th, and I live down on the east side, and I walk down that street every day. I'll pass by. I'll check it out. You know? Yeah. Because at that time, he had an office because he was in the advertisement game from, like, the olden days. Like, he was in print back when they were using letterpress and, like, yeah. you know, when, when magazine the, yeah. articles and interviews were really important. And he had, he was, he had strength there because he had access to print, you know, so yeah. be before computers, internet and all that kind of shit, you know? Yeah. So he was able to like get the kind of unconventional art into the press and the interviews out there. He was able to produce printed matter, which was worth a lot. If you could hand somebody a magazine that had an article with your art and your name in it, it was worth a lot. Whereas now you can just go to Wix and was Squarespace. He just a uh, not just. Was he a freelancer, like like uh, like for just a bunch of different no, press no, no, people? no, no. He worked with specific companies and and, yeah. and printing houses, whatever. You know, this is why I wish. I know, I know, I, know. I had him on our show and talk about to get the details, but you know what. Get all that history. They, this could be like a, a thirty-part series if we had. Him. Yeah, they'll tell his story. Yeah. But um, I, I'm going to try to stick to um, to what I know. Yeah, absolutely. Of, you know, hearsay and guessing, but I know that he wasn't. He was doing a lot of print stuff, and I'm okay. sure we could talk to somebody else who has more details about that too. But I told him about my show, and uh, a few days later, he came back into the limelight and he said, "Yeah, I, I went. To, I went and saw your show." I passed by and I went inside. He's like, yeah, you know, he's like, there's, there's something there. There's something there, you know? He's like, and he's like, you know, I want to, I want to try something. Would you want to try something with me? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you know, I, I have this bar my friend owns a little bit further down East around like where the hotel was. And he has a back room. He lets me do art shows in the place was called Caliban like uh, from the uh, Shakespeare. And, mm. and, um, and I, said, I was like, yeah, I mean, I just did my first show in New York City in an unestablished gallery. I wasn't doing things in established galleries, period. I was doing, you know, from anything, anywhere. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, fuck it. I was doing a ceiling piece at the limelight, for fuck's sake. I was doing anything. Um, so... He uh, he organized the show. He had me do, you know, after that show came down, I pulled down like a select few. He picked out a few and blah, blah. It's like, all right, let's put these. I want to try it out on my friends and see their reaction, blah, blah. We had a show at a party. He was trying to get a sense not only of like what people react to my work, but how I am too and how Absolutely. what I bring into the table, like what my yeah. group of friends bring, like is there enthusiasm? Is there something there? He was like, yeah, that's a misconception, I think, a lot of times for people is a lot of people 
some most of the time just think it's about the work and it's 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 mm-hmm. the whole package you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah. it is it's about the potential where it's going where it's coming from you know the energy that's there the honesty of the whole thing yeah. i see that in, in hindsight now of course and you know i would probably use the same tools to 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 try to bring up a young artist's career you know i think the same way yeah. So we did that show. It was a fun. It was a blast. You know, I had a great time. It, it wasn't like a money making thing, but you know, he he got a sense of what it's like to work with me a little bit. He got a sense a little bit of his his peers' reactions, the people he knows, how they feel about the work, if they believe in it, because it's all about believing in the work, whether or not it sells, whether or not you know. It it, it the real the real thing is if there people stand behind the work, believe in it, you know, see yeah. it. See, see more than just with the surface of something. If they get an emotional response or whatever. Yes. Yeah. How it, how it interacts with people. Yeah, and I think you know from that we began our personal relationship. You know, friendship, our personal friendship, because we did continue to work for many years professionally since then. But we also like he took me under his wing to do the kind of shows that if you don't have a friendship with this person, you're not going to be able to do these kind of shows because it involves traveling. It involves spending a lot of time together, working collaboratively, you know, pitching in, doing your part, you know, doing some of the heavy lifting work, you know, it wasn't like I'll be your agent and now it's free sailing. It's like, I'll represent you and I'll be the voice that gets you in the door. You get in the door and you make as much noise as you can kind of thing. And, and that was the best way to do things because yeah, this, yeah this, this is like a speculation on 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 my part but it seemed like Les was also that kind of person that he wanted to he wanted to get you from the ground up you know what i mean you know yeah, he, he wanted, wanted to get to, you like yeah. in the very beginning of kind of like your career and 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 feel like he was a part of kind of helping you rise up you know in yeah, that kind I mean, of world then, then kind of grabbing people already that they're already kind of established or something like that, you know? Right, because he, I mean, he had his stable of artists, which included some artists that were very well established, and when it was just a matter of logistics yeah, but what, setting but up weren't exhibitions. Those people, maybe other than Geiger, but weren't those people like people that he kind of built with them? Well, not necessarily. There, there are definitely some yeah. that were like already. You know, you got artists like Victor Cohen, who was one, who was a good friend of his, yeah. and worked with him for many years. Who was already, you know, already had a very well-established graphics okay, uh, I didn't know illustration that. career. You know, he didn't need art to support himself. He was making his money to be able to do anything he wanted all the time, yeah. and and so he was able to spend time making art as well as you know any way he wanted, and wasn't dependent on it to be able to, um, you know eat (laughs) and and pay the bills but he was able to do those things but he wasn't dependent anyway there was it was a melange a whole group of different photographers painters you know artists of of, of all types but that he believed in and um it it's like he said something once like in an interview interview about the like my work was it's like how i see his philosophy is like he doesn't know if it's going to do great, but he he knows that there's something um, really great about what I was doing. 
that that there was mm-hmm. it was obvious that what I was doing was good, but didn't know if it was going to be something that caught on or sold. You know, or... I could present the work. I mean, I know how to get the work out there, so it's seen by uh, people, and uh, then the work has to sell itself. Uh, there's no guarantee about that, but it's a pretty reasonable guess that. Uh, I'm not alone in recognizing that his work is good. Yeah, but it resonated. Yeah. Yeah, he believed it. You know. I believe yeah. And um. Yeah, and from there it was just a stepping stone to the like he also would, you know, not use but I will say use his artists to do things like. He didn't. He used opportunities to introduce artists to other artists. Like when he sent me. He sent me. He off. He got me an exhibition in Switzerland. It, this was like before I've shown, you know, outside of New York and Boston. You know, Boston at school and New York just because I lived there. And if you're not showing in New York and you live in New York and you're an artist, it's because you're lazy because you could show it in New York. You just have to, you know, go to the I'm, cafes I'm and blah blah blah. Yeah, and I'm yeah. talking about like, you know, early years. I'm still in my like mid. Late twenties yeah. at this time, and um, and so he got me a show in Switzerland, a group show. So of course I'm going. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm 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 going. And so he, he's he used me to uh, pick up a package from Giger, which was a sculpture. He wanted me to bring back a sculpture for an exhibition, and this was going to save a lot of money on shipping because I was going to put it in my suitcase. Yeah. So. I was, but he used that. Meanwhile, you get like a fucking $80,000 sculpture in suitcase. That's about how much it was. It was about $80,000. It's funny. Yeah. And, um, but through that, you know, in order to do that mission, you know, I got to stop in Holland, meet another one of his artists. He's like, you're, you're stopping in Holland for layover. Go meet Andre Lawson, who was another one of, um, his barony artists. Um, banner of stable of artists yeah. who was a metalsmith and sculptor as well so I got to meet him he always tried to introduce his artists together and from there I went to Switzerland where I did the show and then after the show I went to, to Zurich and I went to Giger's house and spent spent the afternoon with him which was fantastic you know because he showed me you know Around his yard, he took me for a ride on his crazy weird train set. Train. He, <laughs> yeah, he, he like showed me. I can't his... believe you got to ride that. Not only you that, what... Giger fucking driving yeah. it. Giger was driving, like and he was driving man. so fast, like, because yeah. I mean, he's already had this train in his in his house slash yard because it runs through the house too, yeah. like just around, and um, oh. and it was going so fast around the turns, and we jumped the rails, and we like we jumped off the track. And he's like, ah, oh, shit, shit, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I had to pick it up. Like, he's like, yeah, yeah, here, here. Because his English not so good. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And, he, and so I had to pick the train off the ground, put it back on the track, and then we take it for another ride. And he's like, <laughs> like, so fast. I'm like, this little thing shouldn't be going this fast. But, I mean, it was it was a pretty phenomenal afternoon because he also like at some point he had a meeting with some snowboard company that wanted to do Giger design. So he's like, yeah, you 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 stay, you know, look around, you know. I, I had to kill a couple of hours, so yeah. he just left me on my own around his studio, 
And so I was rummaging, you know, just like flipping through piles of drawings and I'm looking and there's original drawings from Dune. Like, and I'm just, and I start to realize what I'm flipping through and I'm like, Ooh, like, okay, carefully, you know, like, like, but it was very, you know, just there in the studio. Yeah, and they were just like, yeah, just sketches, just sketchbooks laying out, yeah. you know. And, yeah. and piles of paper and, and posters and flipping through books of, you know, like sealed in plastic images and beautiful paintings that are behind stacks of now, things. Now, was, like, uh, was his studio in his museum? Like, it, like, was that all the same building? No, his no? studio, no, his studio is where, in his house in Zurich. His museum is in Gruyere. Oh, I thought it was all the same. A little bit okay. west. No, he had he had bought a house in Zurich, and then he bought it was like these row houses. Then he bought the adjoining houses and broke through and connected. So he had like you know all the space, and it was filled with all these little weird nooks and crannies. I found one little like climbing up nook, which was had like a wall full of books, and his cat was sleeping there. And I hung out there, and I took like a short nap in this little bed area with his cat and. It was just one of these magical, lovely afternoons. And then him and his wife, Carmen, um, brought down the sculpture I was supposed to transport. We wrapped it up and there was another like long thing and a, and a bag thing. And and he took a picture. I actually have a picture that he took of me, you know, holding the packages and getting ready off to America, you know, yeah. with the stuff. Did you, 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 did, you get the, did you get the chair photo with him too, right? You did, right? I did not do a chair photo. No, no, no. I never did the chair photo. I took a photo with him outside the gates of his garden. We have have a photo together. I remember seeing one. Like, like, I remember. It must have been that one. Yeah, we took a photo together outdoors. I didn't do the chair one. I sat in the chair. I know that chair. I sat at that table while uh, we ate um, olives from a can together, like, and drank some wine. You know, it was like, he's like opening cans of olives and yeah, 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 and drinking wine and feeding his cat. And, um, you know, we, we, we didn't have like a big dinner or anything, but, um, yeah. Okay. So he, I, that was pretty much my whole visit. Like, boom, boom. Yeah. In and yeah, out. Yeah. You know, one day there. And uh, <laughs> a, a, a funny side. Unless on the, be in the mule. <laughs> and I muled back the sculpture. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, and I flew back into JFK with it. And of course I had to go through the customs x-ray machine. This is this is pre nine eleven, so things were a little bit uh, a little bit laxer with yeah. you know, security, whatever. Anyway, uh, so they ran it through and they had to run it through again, and they called a guy over. It's like, look at this thing, and it, and it was a base sculpture, was pretty much a base with a long stem and and a, a bust on top. And I'll um, I'll edit in some pictures during this thing. Yeah, I have sure. A whole slew of photographs I'll share. Yeah. And. Um, and it, but it was wrapped up in cardboard and tape and, and whatever. And they're looking at it, looking at it, and they're hovering over. And I'm standing right there while they're looking. I see what they're looking at. And they're like, oh, God, it looks like an alien. And I said, actually, you know, it's funny you say that because it's a sculpture by the guy who did alien, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it was a fun fact thing. Like, oh, cool. And they, they run it through. They just want to make sure the base wasn't carrying, like, heroin or something, I guess. Yeah, yeah brick of cocaine. So that's so I did mule that uh, that sculpture in and delivered it to Les and he was very pleased and so I I think I didn't think it was a test but I did definitely pass another test by 
having sure. a successful mission. I came back. I, I spent time with Andre Lawson. I told him all about it. And we went out for beer. And, and Andre actually, I have right here these rings that um, Andre Lawson gave me. He he was a metalsmith. Now, you can't see these too well. But um, yeah. he had these rings in a box of stuff that he was going to melt down and reuse the silver. Yeah. And he did a, a, a funny, joking little um, series of food. So one, this one is like a fish dinner. Fish. <laughs> and this was my um, uh, English breakfast, eggs on toast with coffee oh, and cheese. Oh, okay, that's what it <laughs> And this ring, I, it's really worn out because I wore this ring for years every day because it's so it's weird and big and – People will be like, man, what is that weird metal? Like, is it like yeah. spikes and studs? I'm like, no, it's English breakfast. It's eggs on toast. I love breakfast. <laughs> so I got a lot out of that trip. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you some of the stories that happened while I was there. The escapades in the in the mountains of Flimsdorf where the exhibition was. And Flimsdorf was like a, a ski resort, but I had during the exhibition in the summer. So Instead of snow-capped mountains, I was surrounded by flower-covered hills and waterfalls. It was a magical place. Magical things happened. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's because of fucking Les. You know, the yeah. whole thing was because of fucking yeah. Les. You know, he... I want to keep working with this guy. <laughs> and he believed not only that I could do the job to pick up the stuff, but he, he gave me that chance to have that experience. Yeah. And that experience opened my eyes to so much because at that point, my travels were really limited. I wasn't going a lot of places outside of the States. Um, and it, as, a, as a young adult, I did as a child. But, you know, as a child, your travel experience is very different, obviously. And, and it was a very important time for me to be going through this, too, because being in my late 20s as an artist, you know, in New York City, trying to still like refine myself because you find yourself in school. I found my voice in school, but New York shakes you up. You know, you move to New York City, wherever you're from, whoever you are, it's going to fuck you up. You could spend at least 12 Jumping months. Jumping with the sharks, baby. <laughs> yeah, like re, restart, you know. Yeah. And this really made filled me not only with, with the, the confidence, you know, to like take the world you know in it, rather than just this city that i was familiar with and comfortable with i wanted to get more familiar and comfortable with the world you know of, of places like just opened my head it really really opened my mind to this whole experience and he was all about that he was all about doing those things and that show, of course, led to other exhibitions, led to, you know, not only I got to meet Giger, Giger got to meet me and and Les told me, he said, I talked to Giger, you know, after I got back, he's like, yeah, so I was talking to Giger about your visit. Like, so what'd you think about David? And from Les, Les goes, so G and, and Giger was like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's nice, but is, is, is he tra transvestite? That's right. I remember you told me this before. And, and I was shocked. I'm like, wait a minute. And this is you had the bleach, the bleached blonde, well, yeah, spiky. Yeah, I had some, like, you know, short hair with some bleachy spots yeah. and stuff. Not that would make you. But, yeah, you know. no, no, but that wasn't it. He, he goes, no, why, why, why would you think that? 
And he goes, yeah, because he would look very good with makeup. <laughs> I've like, always thought that myself. Which but. is like the strangest kind of like question to ask if somebody is a transvestite. Yeah. Because yeah. they would look really good with makeup yeah. on. So so yeah. apparently Giger thought it was very pretty. Yeah. Know? Well, dude, you posted that license or that ID of you just recently from when you were like 18. And I was like, that's a pretty boy right there, man. <laughs> Those, it was funny. Those, the big lips, those blue, blue, <laughs> well, those eyes. Those... I I came across that idea this last week when I was uh, rummaging. I was oh, staying man. at my parents' house last week, and I was rummaging through stuff, and I found my, my mom saved a whole Ziploc bag that said David on it, and it was filled with eight IDs because every yeah. year you get two, so it has the whole like transition of the, the my first year all the way to my the last year. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, haha, funny. Whatever, I looked at the makeup. But I saw the first one, and what I realized with that picture was I look just like my niece Carly looks now. Because my niece Carly is going to college for her first year in two months. Okay. And her hair is very straight and, like, short up is to there. Is that the one you just shot? Or, or, yeah. or is that – yeah. That last picture. Yeah, she's the she's the girl who I've been shooting for 12 years. Yeah, now. that's – yeah, yeah. But she, she, her hairdo is right now exactly how mine was my first year in college. And we've always been compared to, like, she's always had some look like me, the big lips and the eyes, and always saying, you look like Uncle David, you look like Uncle David all through the years. And I just thought it was funny, so I posted that up. And I didn't expect, like, people to, to be like, wow, what a, what a hot, whatever. Like, I thought I looked like an awkward 90s, like, what a butthead, because I was into the Bottle like Surfers. And, show, but yeah, but, I yeah, mean, yeah. I, anyway. Yeah, but you are a lovely, lovely looking oh, thank man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're also very, very simpatico. Um, so that was uh, my first experience with Giger, you know, that that Les brought into my world. Which he brought yeah. Giger actually when he Giger did a show in New York, he brought Giger to my studio as well. Like he no didn't... fucking way. Yeah, I had a studio in Ludlow. At... Oh, this is Ludlow days. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I had um, uh, like a tenement flat uh, apartment with my ex-girlfriend. It was her place. And she took over her sister's um, leather shop, New York Custom Leather. Um, yeah. Agatha, who was a uh, you know, seamstress, leather seamstress. And her sister, Suling, uh, took over her shop. And it was like her shop and my studio. And he brought Giger to that place. And I actually... Um, I, I, under Les's suggestion, you know, he didn't force me to do it, but he asked me if I wanted to donate a piece to Giger, yeah, to his collection. I would have done it. Because, yeah, I think any any young artist, you know, I was not even, well, maybe I was 31 at the time, whatever. You know, yeah. I, you know, if he wanted to take it, and, and Giger was in the studio looking around, and, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly how I asked. It's like, okay, which which one? I like asked which ones he liked the most. Like, yeah, this one and this one. It's like, okay, which one? If I could give you, if I if you would be willing to take one, which one of these would you have? Like, and so I had him choose a piece, and he right. chose one called Incubus, and Incubus was actually one of my favorite pieces at the time, because it it represented a sort of a very 
landmark style I was doing at the time. It had all the elements of collage and photography and and frame building that was point. like, yeah, it was like the quintessential me at that point. And I felt very strong yeah. about that work. And I knew that if I was going to be give, giving this piece to to someone like Giger, that it would be seen, you know, and I felt I felt good about it. I didn't want to give him like a piece that I would be happy to get rid of. I wanted yeah, to give, you want to give him like t cream of the crop type of, yeah, uh, exactly. you know, something that, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I asked him which one he thought was the best and I gave, and I said, you can have that one. And he's like, yeah, you know, very grateful. You know, I should speak very good English. And, um, and, you know, needless to say, a few years later, I was in Greer, Switzerland. And I was going through the Giger Museum. It was like a, a party, something going on there. And I made it to the top floor, which housed his collection, his private collection. Yeah. Got his personal collection, even artists like Joel Andre Lawson. He had Joe Coleman. And right next to Joe Coleman, I see my piece. Hanging. Dude, what? I turned, I turned a Just... corner. I didn't even know it was there. I thought it was in his house, you know, or buried behind yeah. like a pile of stuff or whatever. Like I didn't yeah, or, think or he was still in something that you probably didn't in a box. Know. Like I, I would think never got even hung up, never even was taken out of the box. After yeah, exactly. Or something, you know? I turned the corner and I like my, you know, I took a second glance a double take. I was floored and yeah, humbled like, oh, and just felt like away. like that was that was amazing feeling and that that whole feeling like just once again like boosted my confidence boosted my like self-worth which i think is one of the strongest yeah. assets for for an artist like me i think most artists really value that but personally i really need that feeling to keep going i need that reassurance it helps yeah. a great deal special, it really man. does it's crazy special yeah. i and i because i grew up you know not always with the most supportive you know, surroundings and, and encouragement. Yeah. So stuff like that. And now to see this really icon of a, of a, of a painter and, and, and uh, I mean, huge, huge influence on the world of, of art, having your painting hanging yeah. in the yeah, gallery. Same in, in, yeah. In his museum, in his personal collection, uh, in his museum felt fantastic. It was yeah. amazing. And once again, that was because fucking Les. And I'm sure Les encouraged him to hang the painting because it's not like Giger has got all the time or energy in the world to curate every room in his fucking museum. No. Sure. Sure. But Les was behind the energy that pushed it to make sure that his artists were taken care of, represented and respected. Because if you leave it just to the underlings and the, and the, and the interns, things are going to fall apart like that. And he knew it. You know, yeah. that, but that's why he was always engaged. He was always there to make sure things were done right. And he did rub a lot of people the wrong way, but that was only because he wanted to be sure that the people he represented and was representing him were, were shown properly, you know, mm -hmm. and shown in every opportunity. You know, he would recognize the opportunities that would elevate you know, mm -hmm. a smaller one here, another one here, you know, like he understood the communication of, of collaboration. And that's why so he was at almost every like Goldmine Shithouse early year um, before it was called Goldmine Shithouse, where we used to get together every Saturday night. Yeah, no name or whatever. You guys yeah. just, just hanging out, just making exactly. shit. Exactly. He would be there. And he would stay up all night while we painted. He'd have his newspaper and smoke cigarettes and, and read 
the, the, the post and the daily news and he talk and walk around and check stuff out. Always fascinated by the whole energy of it. Like he fed off of the yeah. energy of the, of the yeah. other artists. Yeah, that's why you could tell even like when he would come by to the parties or, or, or just the hangouts that we would have, mm-hmm. you know, he, he loved it. You could tell he loved it, you know, like he just, And it was you know, great when he did. You know, and he also loved showing. He also loved showing other people, like turning other people onto it, and just kind of, kind of like, look what my friends are doing, you know, like, right. like, you know, showing it off and stuff, you know. Exactly. Yeah. He knew how to. He how well, to... he knew it was very important. He knew it was important, and he knew that also, too. Like, you know, when you guys were doing that, it was keeping that that New York City vibe, like, old 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 thing alive still you we were know? carrying a torch that was part yeah, of, of that's, something that's exactly. that was you know not it, it would die if it's not being done like it's something that could yeah. easily get buried in the mainstream popular culture and and this sort of like desire to be yeah. famous rather than to also, be organic it was also too like 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 not to go not to stray too far but like what you guys were doing also wasn't like really contrived it was very real you know what i mean it was uh, like this really kind of real thing that was happening in the moment and it wasn't like um let's do something to be cool you know type of no. thing you know what i mean i you mean know? it literally yeah. was a way for like all we wanted to do was make art and not uh, go and just not be in a bar, not to get away from the noise, which is New York, you know, because yeah. between working your job and your social life, you know, it's just constant noise and um, intoxication and without productivity. Like we wanted to continue to get intoxicated, but we wanted to be productive and we wanted to be in a controlled environment, which was a studio yeah. that had the resources and, um, we could be as loud and messy as we wanted, and um, anybody could come be a part of it. But um, less fed off of those energies, he used to come to the murder baby practices every Sunday, and he would have brunch with us, and he would sit upstairs and smoke cigarettes and drink coffee while we went downstairs and play murder baby. And he would be at all the murder baby concerts. He'd be filming us, you know, taking pictures. He has the first. Murder Baby Live at Lit video, which I have the whole video of that he shot, which was oh, no a, way, really yeah amazing concert. You know, of course, like amazing in memory. I'm sure if you listen to the recording, it sounds awful and it was like whatever noise. But we were a noise band. That was that was what we were. And but he was always present at all these things, and everybody knew. You can't forget the face. I mean, once you see his face, you, yeah, it's less. And yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just this something that you cannot forget you know? and, and and every time right. he'd show up you you'd feel that you'd feel like yeah. less is here you know all well, right yeah, it was you, like exactly you would feel the energy in the room just change and 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 this presence of like you know oh things are about to get excited yeah because <laughs> he was always excited and he was always yeah. open for like some action you know he was always up for something exciting new organic and mm-hmm. real and not just like for the sake of making a mess, but for like something is yeah. going to happen and he's got to be a witness. Like if he's there, it's because he could tell something is going to, he wants to yeah. bear witness to what is about to happen. Yeah. You, you know, an- another thing that I love so much about him now that I think about it is that he was just as much of a great listener as he was a storyteller and yeah. like a talker. You know what I mean, like yes. he loved to listen 
to mm-hmm. the conversations that were happening. And sometimes you could tell he was just kind of being a fly on the wall, you know, just right. soaking it in. You know? he, ge- he genuinely enjoyed and absorbed it. And because yeah. he was thinking all the time of like what, not just what he could do, but what that person, what he could do for that person with that person or, or explain or, or expose that person to like how he could connect that person to something that they want or need. You know, in a yeah. lot of ways, or might be interested in. You know, yeah. he'd find the connections, he'd bring them together. He wouldn't just recognize them; he would do go out of his way to bring them together, like yeah. with 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 folks. And and every once in a while, just bring you together with somebody that has nothing to do with you, but just to see how these two worlds meet. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I yeah. got to hang out with Annie Sprinkle, who was like a, an artist and like who did like a lot of uh, you know crazy weird porn performance art. You know. You know, yeah, there's yeah. always a lot of sexuality in what he yeah. was involved in, too. Not just explicit sex, also erotic stuff mm-hmm. he was very into. And yeah, he was into, you know, sensual eroticism, dark eroticism, softcore, hardcore, yeah. um, beautiful softcore photographers. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of like people who live who were on the edge, you know, real outsiders and um, outlaws. You know, these mm-hmm. were his people. You know? And I always felt a little bit like, uh, I don't know, maybe imposter syndrome with that, because like, what am I doing hanging out with these folks? I'm just like some, you know, suburban <laughs> Jew. Yeah, hey, how are you? You know, hanging out with these like, uh, am I this dangerous of an artist or this this yeah, exciting? Yeah. But you know, I guess he saw something in, in me enough that I, oh, I think somehow I fit in. Yeah, you know? I think. But I was young too. I was much younger. You know. Yeah. I think a lot of my work strayed away from that style. Originally, what I was doing in the late '90s and early 2000s. I don't know if I was doing the work that I'm doing now we would meet in the same way. I mean, it's impossible to tell, but yeah, but I can uh, see in your very very early on work, definitely him being very, very intrigued by and drawn to, I'm sure what he's seen at the hotel. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think so because I was very much into artists like Joel Peter Witkin, who was dark photography and, and collage and and a lot of sexual and religious iconography mixed together to create these like taboo sort of, Things. But even but Which even is. in the early 2000s, still there's a lot of nudity and and or or, or, yeah. or mid 2000s when I met you, yeah. you know. I, I stopped doing I stopped doing nudity I think in the, uh, like around 2010. Yeah, I don't think that your work is sexualized though by any means, you know. No, I think my work has definitely there's but there's like sexuality into it, but I think. I yeah, but I think it's things. more empowerment than it is more about the. I'm sorry, dude, to cut you off. No, no, it's okay. No, I, 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 I like to hear what you think because it's your yeah. point of view. And well, I, I think, I, I think it's more of a, of a, of an empowerment of strong women, and and um, more empowerment of maybe the body versus sexualizing the, you know. I mean, it's the same way that I feel about my work. I don't really look at my work as being sexualized, even though I paint a lot of nudes, you know, right. and that. Um, um, uh, I think there's uh, a lot of uh, we both have similar sensibilities and and, and um, romance with with uh, you know uh, early early sculpture and and paintings yes. and yes. 
the eroticism of the the female figure. There's no doubt about yeah. it. We 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 yeah. both are really into that. We both are yeah. really into it. So, yeah, you, you know, think about all nothing, the marble sculptures and stuff like. Yeah, that there's nothing exploitive if if that's that's like a, a thing to, to worry about. But it's definitely about um, it's like sensuality and sexuality and and the beauty and form of form of the female figure. But I think what happened around 2010-11, two things. One, I, 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 in 2006 and seven, I started this project where I was working with my niece, my young niece, over the years. And that project kind of took over a lot of my yeah. work. And obviously, the, you know, the, the blatant sexuality had nothing to do with it. And also, I got more interested with my other models, my other, like, you know, um, people who I was photographing, I was getting more interested in provocative sexuality and sensuality where there was more of um, a suggestive tone rather than mm-hmm. it being outwardly. And I, I, I still did a few full nudes, in the, like later 2000s, 2012, 2013, but it's kind of trailed off my, my instinct to, to photograph nudes kind of trailed off and my interest went more. Um, I, I got more like in, in uh, what, what, what's the word, uh, you know, in th- inward in, in, me- yeah, in thinking about memories and, and, and thoughts and, and stuff like and dreams and things became less even figurative where I was doing stuff that was about towers and, and, and mm-hmm. buildings more and like, plants more and forests. Yeah. yeah. And, and mixing the two in between alongside with this project doing with my niece, which was become this 12 year story that I've been sort of narrative I've been running through. Anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trailing off on, on, on that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sorry. That was that, my fault. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was because I was, I, I started thinking and wondering about like how Les would react if he met me while I was doing the work that I'm doing now, yeah. if he would recognize that same sort of darkness, because I still have darkness in my work. There's no doubt about it. It's not harping on darkness. There's a certain darkness that I embrace, which is the kind of darkness that hides behind corners yeah, and dreams. You just, you just, you just, it's, you know, there's, there's, there's these two dark paths. You just went on this one. Yeah, a little detour and now you're going down that dark path you know but yeah i don't i'm not afraid to in, encounter and embrace darkness but i don't i don't i don't um it's not the it's not the forefront it's not yeah. the, like the i think the stage. big difference is between what you do now is that you have i mean not the big difference but a a difference Correct. is that you have a heavy weight that is camouflaged behind these kind of brighter brighter palette you know what i mean it's it's integrated it's definitely there yeah 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 because you can't there's there's no light without darkness there is no beauty without death and you can't get around it there nothing exists without no longer existing and it's the inevitability of anything that you love any any that's why love is the center of my work is what i feel love is what drives me love is what inspires me the most and love is what i react to strongest in my work but you cannot ignore the fact that there's nothing that you love whether it's a puppy a flower or a wife uh, or you know a mother that will not pass 
it all goes. It all has the caveat of death. There's always attached at the end of this, this demise, this, this disintegration. And so there's a darkness that is a passenger of everything that is beautiful. And so I do like to focus on joy and love, especially when I'm feeling down. But, you know, you can't escape the fact that, you know, the clouds obscure the sun every once in a while. And that's yeah. part of it. And that's just part of it. That's part of being alive. You can't be in denial of that completely because, but at the same time, on the same note, you can't harp on the death and the darkness so much because you are evo you're evoking, you're, you're, you're encouraging, you're, you're, you're summoning it in a way because it's, it's a, it's, it's a ritualistic act of, of creating this thing. And you might not be creating something might not manifest like the devil's not going to appear in front of you, but it's going to appear inside here. It's going to be inside your mind. It's going to, it's going to visit you in your dreams. It's going to visit you in your waking life. Yeah, exactly. You will haunt yourself yeah. if you yeah. surround yourself with the darkness constantly. How about that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, I want to, um, I want to, um, I want to get back to less a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, so obviously there, there was all these things that, you know, that he brought into my life. And there was a point where we, you know, we were just doing show after show after show. He, invited, he in, introduced me to Pet Silva who had art at large, that, that gallery that was like, up you know multiple stories and he got me a solo show over there i think that was my third solo show in new york right after the metal stone gallery show that i had in 2000 and whatever five or six or something and now the metal stone was solo or was the metal stone with shithouse i did i did a solo show actually no this okay this one was after because okay shithouse was first i don't fucking remember I know, anyway. I'm so, dude, I keep on taking you away from shit. <laughs> no, it's okay because it, it, they all are tied curious. in together. They're all tied yeah. together because yeah. the show that I did with Pet Silva at Art at Large, that was at the um, – I did that show, and then I was going to do another show with them, a two-man show the following year, right? Because it was a good show. We made some sales, blah, blah, blah. And the next year, I was I was booked to do a two-man show. Now that two man show fell through because I was also asked to do another show at the um, McKeg Wells Gallery in Brooklyn, oh, and I was going to do that show a couple months later, and it was going to be in Brooklyn while the Art at Large was in New York. Now the Art at Large in New York that I had booked with another artist, that other artist took offense to the fact that I was doing another show in Brooklyn thinking that I was going to take the energy from that show and put it into Brooklyn rather than put it in New York where he deserved that energy. Right. It's like, yeah. what the fuck? Manhattan, first of all, Manhattan, New first York, of all, New fuck York. you. Yeah. I was in Manhattan. Yeah. yeah in, New, in Manhattan, yeah. it's New York city. And then there's Brooklyn. These are two different boroughs, two different yeah. shows, two different galleries. And I was getting shit from the other artist who essentially was just trying to get that me out yeah, of that girl. show so he could have it to himself. And he managed to do it because he had more, you know, uh, power with the gallery at the time. Well, it also sounded like he gave you the ultimatum and you didn't like that. So you were like, go fuck yourself pretty much. He gave the gallery the ultimatum. The gallery told me about it. And I said, I don't want to show with this guy. Yeah, I don't care. This, yeah. You know what? I'm out of the show. 
Fuck yeah. him. Because my 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 solution was instead of doing my solo show in Brooklyn and the two man show with him, I was gonna do a two man show in Brooklyn and a two man show with him. This way I'm splitting it up. It the you know, this was my way of showing you that like I'm not gonna put all my energy into my solo show. I'm gonna I'm gonna water my show down. Not water it down. I'm gonna I'm I'm, I'm gonna like do a two man show instead. And this way, yeah. you're going to still get me full force. I mean, come on. Yeah. Anyway, his 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 reaction was going behind my back to the gallery, saying, you know, giving them the ultimatum that if he, if I do the show in Brooklyn, he's out. So yeah. I said, okay, I'm doing the show in Brooklyn. Fuck you. I'm not doing the show with him because he's a piece of shit. I don't want to share walls with this motherfucker. Yeah. He's a yeah. he's a malicious, conniving, underhanded cocksucker and fuck him yeah. fuck him you know yeah. flat out you know he wasn't some big shot or anything he was like well he, the, he thought he was he thought he was he probably still thinks he is a stupid little putz i heard he has a tiny dick <laughs> from from good <laughs> from good sources anyway that's probably what makes him such an asshole but anyway he um so he gave the galley ultimatum, which gave, which I accepted and said, fuck you. You take your show. Go fuck yourself forever. And um, now was less that was show less, was less bummed out about that because he yeah, initially. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. He was bummed out. And he made sure that I was given a solo show the next year. You know, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, no. That's amazing. I, I, I meant like, was he upset with you that you were, were you upset with me? No, no yeah. he understood. He understood completely. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. didn't like that guy either. You yeah. know, because that guy one time, that guy, the same artist asked Les to represent him. And, yeah. and, he, said, and he said, why? He's like, why would I do that? He's like, you know, I'll give you, I'll give, you can get 50% of, of uh, you know, my sales. Uh, or a thirty percent, yeah, twenty percent, whatever an agent percent, yeah, twenty percent, and and Les goes, oh yeah, what's twenty percent of zero? He's like, because you're not selling shit. You what the fuck? It's nothing. I I've never done anything with you. You you're not. You're just you made a few sales, so you think you're like fucking Johnny sells a lot, you know? So Les was like, well, great. What's twenty percent of zero? Because that's what you're offering me right now. I'm not interested. Yeah. So anyway. Because I was forced originally to take my solo show, make a two-man show before he gave the ultimatum. Because before he gave the gallery the ultimatum, I decided, fine, he's upset about it. I'm going to find another artist to do the two-man show with. And that other artist was you. Yeah. And that's no. how I met you. Yeah. So essentially... I know, it's it's, be absolutely. It's because Les got me this show with Art at Large, yeah. which led to this two-man show which led me the need to find another artist to make a decision on the fly, which, you know, it was almost like picking a name out of your hat. Your name came up first because my ex-girlfriend mentioned you right away because we just saw your work the previous day at the mm -hmm. CBGB's gallery. And it it all clicked. Yeah. I remember, I remember like seeing your show at the, the Woodstock and then we saw it at the, the gallery. I'm like, yeah, of course. It makes perfect sense. His work and my work are totally different yet totally the same. Let's do it. Yeah. And that's how you and I met. Yeah. Thank so you, Les. It's fucking Les's fault again. Which, you know, yeah. like I said, back in the beginning of the story, I want to acknowledge my friend Jacob and Mickelson, who, you know, there's always somebody else. Of course. Of who course. made it possible. 
You know, I could thank Richard Barron. I could thank my father yeah. for introducing me to Yossi, who owned Cafe Orlin, who introduced me to Chef Maggie, who, who was best friends. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing goes back to the early 70s in New York City, or the mid 70s, by the late 70s, actually, yeah. because of my dad's friend having Cafe Orlin. But, you know, less put that energy into being sure that, you know, I was involved in shows, which lead to greater things. And that was, he was always about not the thing, but what it led to, the means to the end, to keep going, the progression and doing the work, not like expecting it to rain gold. No, it's like reality, like he didn't make shit ton of money. He was always fucking living hand to mouth himself. You know, in his overcluttered apartment that was leaking from the ceiling all the time, and like, you know, yeah, just covered in art and posters everywhere that he kept in his mother's house and in in in, in in the boroughs there in his mother's basement, like Giger art in the the leaky basement somewhere in like Brooklyn or Queens or something. Um, yeah, yeah, he, he made a lot of things in my life so much richer you know yeah and he was always always supporting me and even when we we had a falling out after a while like i wasn't making any money and the shows were i started to feel like i was like a peripheral or something like i didn't want to be part of an entourage or like like the under the giger banner or like you know the umbrella of giger artists and stuff like that. Like I wanted to be the forefront. I wanted to be in the front. So I started to do uh, work with other people, which those other people started to get possessive over me and didn't want me working with other people. So we kind of had a, um, a gap of time where we stopped working. But after all that went down and then disintegrated, he like immediately was ready to start working with me again and like yeah well i mean i mean in that in, in that time when that happened it really didn't even seem like it was like a like cuz i think i was around for a, a bit of that you you were there it, around it, the whole it didn't time. even seem like it was really that long of a gap between no you know, not, not long like because yeah. there were like in the beginning of working with the other gallery you know i was still doing stuff with less and actually less had a really bad experience with with the with the gallery because naturally the ga- that gallery had a bad experience with everybody Nobody, yeah. you know, steamrolled yeah. everybody. Everybody yeah. like ran into that witch would like be turned to stone. It's like fucking Medusa. And so, you know, he steered clear, but I was then under the sort of like the claws of it. And I was like, oh, I'm making money. I'm doing shows. I'm making exhibitions. And I'm become a featured artist rather than like under the umbrella of. And yeah. I needed to do that as a young artist, yeah. like to. To, to well, be you, more became the the, you became the, the breadwinner. I mean, in my eyes, for well, I, I I don't for... know. Like, there were there were other artists that were making a lot of money for the gallery, and but you know, I was definitely putting a lot of work and effort and energy into the energy of the gallery as well as my own work, so that the gallery had that energy, you know, yeah. and that attention. And because I was a big part of that, I was able to also be in the forefront, had some of the best wall space. And I was always present, so I was able to help push those sales through. So my sales were consistent and blah, blah, blah. You know, I was doing what it takes to, yeah. to stay ahead as a non-established, not money-backed artist. Because I, I had no trust fund, and I 
you know, wasn't working with an established gallery. I was working with a fucking underground gallery who wanted to be established. Mm-hmm. But it was my opportunity to do it because nobody else was doing it. It was like I stepped in. There was an opening. It was like a job opening. All yeah. needed is, a, is an artist ready to fucking work their ass to the bone and, um, you know, sa- sacrifice everything and dedicate their entire life to this. Like, yeah, I'm up for it. I'm not yeah. tied down to yeah. anything or anyone, you know. And then they tied me up and tied me down. And then they yeah. cut me loose and throw me out of the back of the plane you know, without a fucking parachute. Cocksucker. Yeah, fucking. I'll always be mad. Yeah. Always be mad. Yeah. You know, fuck, man, fucking assholes. You know who you are. I think of the name of the fucking guy who jumped out of the plane with all that money. (laughs) That disappeared. Oh yeah. Well, with what money did I was I? Well, that's what I was. I wanted to disappear. Joke. I was gonna say it was the opposite. Yeah, my my parachute was full with like forks, knives, and food. You know. Boulders and chains and yeah. shit. Oh god. Anyway, yeah. yeah, but Les Les and I we picked it up like without a beat, without missing a beat. Right afterwards, yeah. you know, always he was always willing to work with me, and he never tied me down. He like our loyalty to each other was an unspoken loyalty and understanding, you know. Yeah. And he never had me sign any contract. He never asked me to. He never asked me. Be sure to let me know. Be sure to give me my peace. Be sure this. He trusted. Yeah, and if you crossed thing. him, yeah. And if you yeah. did him wrong, that would be it. That would be the end of it. He would give you the opportunity to fuck him over because his his relationship was based on trust that he believed in. If he believed in you, he believed in himself yeah. to trust you. And some people did cross him. Some people, you know, and he wound up having bad relationships. But, you know, he never he never put on airs about it. He was never yeah. phony. He would never, ever hold me back from getting something that could be bigger and better. And I've, I've, you know, the same thing. I got in trouble even with the other gallery, with with working with the California gallery. Oh, God, there's so many galleries. I don't want to mention their name. So it's like, okay, uh, gallery, uh, gallery uh, A and Gallery B, you know. I told Gallery B that, you know, I've, I've been working with Gallery A for, and they've been doing so much, so I need to give them a cut. And then Gallery B was all pissed. And we, we, you know, no, they get nothing. We get everything. We've done more than them. And then I'm like, I'd say, well, sorry, Gallery B. i got to go with Gallery A. And then Gallery A throw me out the back of the point. Yeah. That, that, was, that was the Cliff Notes version. Yeah. But Les yeah. never confronted me with that shit. He never made me feel yeah. that I was tied down or ob- ob- obligatory, like like I owed him anything. And anything that I got through with him, of course, I we, he got his share. It was never a lot. It was never, a, you know, it was all experience. Like my riches of with Les Barony were the kind of experiences, the money that I made that I no longer have, that I don't even know what to show for it, is nothing. Is yeah. emptiness, yeah. and a lot of these people that I was making this money with, what they're doing now has nothing to do with art. You know, so it goes to show that what they were after from me was nothing to do with me or art. Where what he was after yeah, from me, I don't even know what that person's doing. But 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 um, but you, you know? know, but getting back to the the, the less side of things, exactly. That's the type, that's the type of relationship, even with just friendships that I like to have. It's an unspoken word. It's a, right. it's not even a handshake. It's just this unspoken word of that. You know, if you're a true friend, then mm-hmm. you know there's this loyalty and there's this right. understanding. You know what I mean? 
where yeah. as long as you know uh we're friends there's this respect you know and and, and, you, and, and you don't fuck that shit up right and that lack that that the lack of confrontation about it like without always being like told hey be sure you know don't fuck me over don't fuck me over you wouldn't fuck me over would you it's like almost makes you want to fuck them over because <laughs> well, like also, also do you not trust me anymore? How, much, like, how much it also goes to show you how much that they have fucked other people over previously because if they're so concerned of them getting right. fucked over that means that yeah, they're very like, comfortable yeah. fucking other people over yeah i mean that's exactly. that that's that whole fucking you know psychology like, to that shit you are know? you afraid of me yeah. or are you guilty i had somebody that action. i knew that was like that too that was constantly always trying to like you know, assure uh, either assure me that things were going to go a certain way, or right. or concern that I would go a different way. And it's like, right. you know, and I, I should have seen that, you know, a, a couple months into that, our friendship. Whatever, Unfortunately, man. I, yeah. I did. But like, it happens. But like, it happens. It's that it's that idea of like, yeah, those are the exact people that you keep fucking clear of, you know? Yeah. Because these are the people, you, you know. That's that's why I have a hard I, I always have a really really hard time of like um, a lot of times of, of like you know do what you say like that's right. my kind of thing too it's like if, if if you if you say one thing then do it you know don't don't you know and I understand shit comes up and shit happens or whatever and stuff like that right. but like if you come off like uh, I, I don't even know like just like you know saying all this other stuff but then you listen, turn I, and, and I, listen I understand different. if somebody some people have been fucked over and they get worried but if every single time after many years of you proving yourself obviously your loyalty you're still questioning whether or yeah. not then it makes me wonder where how your brain operates like what what you see as a possible norm where I see as an impossibility at this point it's like you would have to do something to me so fucked up for me to do that to you. So have you done something fucked up or that are you that person? That like, yeah. like yeah. anyway, yeah. that was, that was never an issue with him. He just yeah. went with the flow. Yeah, he well, wasn't was afraid like of getting thing, fucked that, over. Just that loyalty of just knowing yeah. that like, Hey, we're going to be friends and you know, I, I'll, I'll give you plenty of rope, but yeah. you know, whether you can you choose to hang, hang yourself, yourself with it. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and then it's like, you know, but you know, yeah. And that's yeah, yeah. and that's the way to be. That's like, well, that's just old school shit. You know what I mean? It that's is. like old school yeah. relationships. It is. And that it is where it's, it's, where things are. You know, yeah, where things are. You don't need to sign something. So it's about the handshake, or it's about the whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's more of a human connection than like a like uh, what can I get out of you greedy sniveling because it's based on falsehoods to begin with or there's not really real truth and honesty behind what you're building upon and in retrospect i see that like i and i worry about that when i start new relationships now a lot more Absolutely. than i used to well yeah you know? you're a lot much more on guard i'm sure for sure yeah i, I think i'm a lot more, like wiser so my guard is i i have a better security system than i used to Okay. Yeah. Every window, every door, you know, I've got cameras, I've got lights, you know, which could be, you know, yeah, keeping you, me. You, might, you might be a little bit too over. Yeah, over. I, I could be, but, <laughs> but granted, nobody's coming, 
doorbells. Nobody's coming around my house anyway. It doesn't matter. I, I, the only <laughs> thing setting it off are squirrels, raccoons, and like maybe an owl. You Set know? up that trip wire. <laughs> yeah, there's it, it's it, it, it's just a deer in the backyard. It's not a. It's definitely not a gallerist coming around looking to see if I can do a show. Yeah. You know? But that yeah, kind of that kind of fucking true heart loyalty belief you know and and honesty and trust and that you can depend on like no matter what no matter what project i would get involved with with him i believed that he would make it happen he would never misrepresent me he would never say that i'm something i'm not he would never make anything up about me to sell my work. Beat around the bush either, you know? No, you know? he, he wouldn't ever try out, to if, sell my work. Or if you weren't going to work out for that one thing, right. like an artist, not you in general, but but, but somebody right. who's not going to work out, he'll let you know. Yeah, there was no... It's not, a, pro, no, it's not a project for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He would not approach you if it didn't fit in. And yeah. he would never pretend you're something else to make you fit in. Yeah. You know? which some places sure. would do to make it seem Absolutely. status quo or make it fit to make yeah, it fit. Yeah. yeah. He, he was, uh, he wasn't this one wannabe fucking tastemaker bullshit, like hoity toity. He didn't need to be the center of attention. He just wanted to be behind the scenes, make it happen. He became yeah. the center of attention naturally because yeah. he's that interesting. He was that commanding of a presence. And he brought shit to the table and he wasn't afraid. He was, he, he was, he was, you know, able to get you shows hanging with, you know, the, 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 the head leaders of uh, chapters of, of hell's angels in New York, you know, you're showing alongside with these people. These, these were his crew. Yeah. You know? yeah. Or get so, you fucking in the, in the, in the fucking Giger museum. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. was, he was, he was rolling with a serious crew so he didn't need to pretend to um, to be important. Yeah, isn't that, he just is, was. Isn't that, a spe- isn't that a special thing too? Where it's like you're you're there's no airs that need to be put on because you're comfortable yeah. with your own fucking skin that you're living within and yeah. and that you're walking in. You know, yeah. you know, you're secure in who you are, and that's yeah. not enough. People don't. Oh, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Listen, it, it's yeah. not. Maybe it's not encouraged enough, or maybe it's not recognized enough, or maybe it's not taught enough. I don't know. He was from a different world, a different school. He's been around for a long time. I, I We used to joke that he was, you know, how old is Lassa? I think he's like yeah, 150 yeah. or 270 years old. You know, he's been around for a long time. And so with that comes an old school of thought, you know? Sure. And so a lot of times, especially when it came to politics, his perspective and and, and his philosophies were also from an older world. and this sort of, um, I dare say, punk attitude without punk not being like, I'm not talking about spike bracelets and listening to Rancid. I'm talking about like, (laughs) fuck the system and fuck everyone in it, including the president that you like, you know, because fuck all presidents, fuck all, you know, and, and go with the one that's making the biggest mess. Of, of the system. And so a lot of times he would side with a more sort of hard-lined conservative attitude, which got him in a lot of arguments, including with me. I, I even kicked him out of my apartment once. 
not because I was mad. I was just sick of hearing about it. I could not deal with it. And it was in a situation where it's like, we're trying to have a nice dinner. I'm like, you know what, Les? Not now. This has to go out. It was at a time I was very vulnerable. And I asked him to leave. Yeah. Of course, it was. It was not. I've kicked, I think I've kicked. I've kicked Travis out of my apartment. I've, I've you kicked know. you out of. The, <laughs> but you know, I kicked Sobchak out of the apartment. Game. All the best people have been kicked out of yeah, my apartment. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's when you know you're special. <laughs> oh God, you you're definitely one of my best friends. I think all my best friends have been kicked out of the apartment. Like, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe Colin has not yet, or Eduardo, but they're just too damn yeah. nice. Yeah. And, Give and him so, a chance. Oh, so, so, so I picked something. Yeah, up. he was blackout sassy. <laughs> yeah. He got. He went. He almost got a fist fight with my cat Silo. He, he like he was like, I'm like he was so drunk. I'm like, all right, dude. You want to punch my cat? He wanted to fight. He wanted to fight the cat. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> it's it's heartbreaking. I'm I'm very sad. I'm very sad he's gone. I wanted to do more. I know he wanted to do more. But, but yeah, he was talking about that pro. He'd be talking about that the, that project, right? You know. Yeah, I mean, he was just starting like to get involved in a lot more acting. He was he was part of a few movie projects with some brilliant animators and filmmakers, and was always working with great musicians. Jonathan Mover and um, guys from you know Celtic Frost and. Jonathan and, Davis from Corn, he 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 did that whole deal with well, the Jonathan yeah, Mike stand. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. We got that going. I mean, he yeah. was involved with a lot of shit. There's no, there's not a lot of my young professional Dancing. life that he has not been a part of. You know, yeah. performing me like when when he started working with me, I was fresh, like super green. You know, I was just making art, yeah. doing whatever, whatever I can. No real direction, voice, or understanding of the the narrative of taking it all, working just taking with anything that came your way. You know, it's just like, yeah, and yes. and he was feeding it to me. Like he yeah. exposed me to things, so I saw outside my tunnel vision. I was able to get involved in things that I never would have been involved in, or had expo- exposed to. That just made it made me. Not yeah. made me like, hey, I was me, or you know, I got all this money and power. No, it made me character, helped me build character. He helped me having that side of him that I disagreed with is important too, because I didn't just disagree with him, but I listened to him. We had arguments and discussions, yeah. and I'm glad because I want to know other perspectives inside of things. I want to know what other people think, even when I fucking disagree. Because who the fuck am I to think that I know already the right fucking way to do anything? Yeah, well, I mean, if you always think that your way is the right way, then there's something fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 you've stopped. You've stopped growing. Yeah, you've stopped, yeah exactly. You, you know, you stopped opening yourself up. And um, he was an incredible grounder for me. Brought me yeah. down like reality with my aloof dreams and stuff. He didn't smash my dreams, but he brought me down to earth to realize yeah. the type of work it takes, the expectations, the reality of things, and how to how to do how to communicate with other artists of different cultures and, and languages and and to do business right. You know? Yeah. Like when he saw yeah. the first contract that I got from that other gallery the first time, he's like I would never 
ever, ever give one of my I, I, do, I, re- I think I remember you telling me about this. It's like, this he's like, don't sign that. You know, and he, yeah. he, he opened my eyes up to the idea of embracing the contract, but revising it. Yeah, so making, like, yeah this yeah, is what yeah. you take out. Yeah. Like, and you know, me in my head at that time, I, I don't, it didn't automatically click. Why don't I yet yeah, return this contract with my changes? It was more like, I was worried. Oh, if I don't sign this, I won't get the show. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know? They're not going to want to work with me. And right. oh, I might be a missed opportunity and all that shit. Yeah, no. I know. It's funny how you, fucking, how, you, how you learn and how you grow and you understand. Yeah. Eh, it's got to be better if it's best for both of us, you know? Right. And, and he educated he, me, to, to, taught me to have some balls, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if a gallery is approaching you, they want something from you. Absolutely. So stick up for yourself. And, and, and recognize your own worth in that, in yeah, that, that don't, yeah. don't, there's a time to compromise, of course, but when it comes to things, things like contracts, you know, that contract is not written specifically for you, it's written for you and the guy downstairs, same contract, yeah. the guy driving the, the, the day it was written for the, for the gallery or for whoever, yeah, to protect you know, the gallery. It, 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 it was, you know, for their best interest, not yeah. for fucking anybody else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What the fuck they know me? They know my interests. What the fuck they know? Well, what I need, all, yeah, you know? Too, just, so you have to... I mean, for the most part, they don't, they don't even really give a fuck. It's more about protecting them than it is yeah. protecting And establishing dominance. And I'm, not, and I'm not saying particularly with that one place. I'm just anybody. I mean, I... You yeah. Know, I'm, yeah and I'm I've asking, had that experience with like, many... Yeah. Many galleries. I've had very similar, like... Any situation any, anybody, with anybody, anybody. They, I just don't want labels like that, you know, where it's just yeah. completely within their interest, and you know, which obviously makes sense, but no can do unless yeah, you have you to push back. This. Yeah, yeah, because who's who's really like, especially labels and stuff that you were dealing with, you know. Chances are that that contract was was looked over and prepared by a lawyer, so you're oh, not yeah. dealing with yeah. anybody who's thinking in any creative like idea of, of the artist's yeah. mind this is yeah. like how much blood can we get from this fucking stone because we want to bleed them dry yeah we want to get everything went back and forth seven times <laughs> i think every fucking gallery or whatever initially starts out it's like how can we get this for free you know of course and then you yeah. have to be like wait a second okay free it's like all right what? half yeah. and now i want yeah. half of it it's like half yeah. Okay, but why half? Well, what then, are you and, doing? Which also became the standard for anybody, whether they were just a yeah. gallery starting out that had no clientele or yeah. or yeah. any or any ground to step on, up until you know a fucking place like you know Gagosian or whoever. You know what I mean? Like that's what it yeah. really started with, with, with these upper tier galleries, and then somehow it ended up for like the bar that has a gallery attached to it. I think, you know, I think even these upper tier galleries and stuff like that, I think their contracts, like there's nothing standard about them. Every artist that they're doing contracts with is always very personalized based on, you know, knowledge of that. They're going to be making money together. And this is, it's a negotiation from the get go. These these middle tier galleries like that we've been working with. I feel like they've got the cookie cutter downloaded off the internet type contract. Like gallery, run a gallery 101 for dummies. Like, just just go right for half, go straight for half. Like, 
really? Does every gallery pay the same rent? Does every gallery have the same PR machine? Does every gallery, you know, supply the same type of food and wine for the opening? Does every gallery have the same amount of press? Does every gallery have the same venue space, square footage, walking traffic? Like, no. So why are you all starting with half? Why should the gallery that has the best fucking foot traffic and, and 30 foot ceilings and, 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 floor to ceiling windows with gorgeous painted yeah, walls get the same percentage list and all that shit. Yeah, yeah as this like seven foot ceiling basement somewhere in fucking bushwick you know yeah. like why do they get in the same money that yeah. doesn't make this sense place, you stupid exactly. cunt it's just starting out and, yeah. yeah get the fuck out of here piece yeah. of shit yeah so yeah. um yeah. i need i uh, need um i need some direction another glass Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Another one to less. Another one to less. Cheers. Cheers. One of my favorite things might be silly but one of my favorite things about les was uh always always running into him in the outside world you know and there were always gallery events or uh, usually always gallery stuff or whatever sometimes a bar or a club or something like that but uh uh but his 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 uh hey hey i got something for you come here the thing that and he'd give you a he'd give you a Giga ring, or he'd give yeah. you a Giga fan, or he'd give yeah. you he 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 he'd always give you something, you know, and that right. and uh and and <laughs> just you know, and then just and then just keep going, you know, and then yeah. you talk to him later on in the night, you know, whatever. Right. Like, totally. Oh shit. <laughs> he was very generous. He's always super he was generous. Always giving out his uh his wares. I mean, it was it was also his great pickup line. That's how I'm sure he he scored oh, yeah. a, a lot of, a lot of action. But that's yeah. what you know, fucking man. That's that's part of the that's part of the gig, you know. Yeah. That's what. Yeah. That's... But 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 it would be dudes too, you know. It wouldn't just be sure. you know, it wouldn't just be girls or whatever. It would spread. Yeah. He knew he knew that you know, even though Giger is an established artist and stuff, keep it keeping the keeping the people wearing his stuff. It's like yeah. he was doing him a service. He was doing Giger a fucking service. He was doing you a service, giving you some goods. He was and because it was what he believed. He wanted that to continue you know that the, the yeah. vibe he wants you to be dressed in the stuff that you know he represented yeah. so because he would see yeah, himself in that too where where it was like you always knew that they were probably like like the 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 uh you know the the first kind of print printings or whatever because right. you know yeah. there were, a lot of times they were always because he would show you too he would he would uh you know there was a uh, i'm sorry i forget his name but there was a really amazing sculptor that would do a lot of Giger stuff that was connected through Les or whatever but you know I think Les is the one who introduced me to this guy at one point and was like oh he's actually doing the new Giger you know this and that and I really I really need to, to be sure we get his name is it um yeah. Livingston is, is it oh god it's Paul right. Komoda and wasn't Paul and the Eli 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 yeah that's it Eli yeah yeah I think it's Eli Livingston. I think his name is Livingston, or I'm just yeah. thinking of like uh, 
but yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. But like, you know, so a lot of times you're like, oh, is this like a prototype or something or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember the first time you gave something to somebody that I knew was a pro. And I don't even know. This is like way back in the day. So maybe, well, sure. you know. Yeah. You know, you know he was eyeing around or whatever, right? So of course around. he was. But, but, and it was that lit. I think it was that lit, too. And that and uh, and I was so jealous. I was like, oh, it's a, it, it was that pin with the uh, hands and like the wings and shit like that. Yeah, and, the, uh, the, uh, the emblem for a secret society. Yes. And I was like, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so dope. Or whatever. And then I was like, yeah. let's give you that. She's like, yeah. I was like, I was yeah, all the, jealous and shit. The majority <laughs> of the, the jewels that he gave out was all like a ladies' jewelry, necklaces and pins and stuff like that. Yeah. The masculine stuff he also had too, but mostly the feminine stuff because it was a better conversation start. He, he'd rather have that conversation started with a beautiful woman than with like some goth dude. You know, yeah. Yeah. But, he, but he also knew how to make us goth dudes happy too, you know? Yeah. yeah. It was all about that. It's always all about that. He introduced, speaking of jewelry, he also introduced me to Axel, Axel Stock, who is yeah. the, the guy who does all these um, crazy rings. And actually, uh, yeah, he would do his paintings in blood, but he was also very well known for his jewels. This was uh, one of Axel's yes, kind of like infamous style. I didn't, I didn't know you had his stuff. I didn't know you had a ring of his. Well, I, I wound up doing a photo shoot with him and his um, wife. At, at his place in uh, the Lower East Side at one point because um, he introduced me to Axel. We became kind of buddies, and I I, I asked him to be my, um, the, what is it, for the, I was doing a tarot deck, and I wanted him to be in the, the magician in the tarot deck. So that dude looks amazing. <laughs> and um, actually, uh, his wife was uh, the hero fan, I believe, and... And who has both of those is, um, God, what's up with Erwin? Erwin Schofen has both those pieces. Mm -hmm. I gifted him with both those pieces because Erwin has done so much for me over the years as well. Like he, he did a whole catalog thing and wound up giving me hundreds of copies. And he was just a good friend. He was also a collector for years. And when I was moving from New York to um, to Boston, he, I, I actually gifted both of those pieces to him. He has both of them. But Axel was somebody whose jewelry I I used to see in, in New York City when I was uh, growing up in Rockland County outside of New York. I would go with my friends into the city in, in the 80s. This is like Trashy vaudeville and stuff. Well, uh, we would go there, but there was a store on the west side called Saint Magnifique on, um, on, I believe, Bleecker Street. And um, Saint Magnifique was a tiny hole in the wall spot that was Florida stealing jewelry, rings and necklaces and all some old, some new, and Axel had a lot of his jewelry featured there. So I never bought it or was interested in it then, but it was kind of like a visual icon of the time, of the early 80s, of gross New York. It was right next above the scrap bar, which was an infamous bar too, where like Guns N' Roses would hang out and stuff. Like it was a it was like an infamous 80s metal bar. Well, what bar. area was this? I think McDougal Street. It's on McDougal Street. Okay. Right? Okay. So it was like right across the street from Mamun's Falafel, which was the best falafel in New York since the 70s. Yeah. And yeah. and the scrap bar was across the street. And there was St. Magnifique. 
And so it was like this whole, and, and it was next door to Second Coming Records around the corner from Bleaker Bob's Records. So it was a destination place, you know. And Cafe Wa was right there too, you know, where Jimi Hendrix was discovered by the guy from the animals, blah, blah, blah. History lesson all in one. And, I didn't know that. And so the, uh, the, the, just the look of this stuff was going all the way back to my early 80s, you know, high school days. And flash forward another like several couple decades and hot thousands of experiences later, I wound up at this guy's house photographing him because Les introduced me to the guy, you know, just like he, this guy, like single-handedly. Les knew everybody, especially he got me involved in so much stuff or, or, and was involved, like really, really, really like it. It's fun to talk about, but at the same time I get like more, I understand it. Like what a loss, not just to me because he's affected so many people this way. A lot of people have lost this, friendship this yeah. kind of connection and and i also sad about like all the possible things that would have still happened you know from his doings is and even though a lot of times he was up against it because some of the younger upstarts and the younger people who didn't understand his mentality and were from a newer school of thought which didn't embrace this old school of outlawish uh, anarchists punk vibe that real punk vibe not not dressed up not just wearing the fucking the, the, the boots and the hairdo or whatever the yeah the, the reissued t-shirts yeah, it was yeah. like the real fucking thing it yeah. was about loyalty before and, punk was a, even a thing yeah just the, it was the pure attitude of it like kicking yeah. against the pricks for real really just like disagreeing with the norm and being a part of that sort of underground embracing yeah. it yeah, yeah. It, it 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 saddens me. It saddens me he's gone. Like I'm, I barely got a chance like to really tell him. I mean, I did, I did have the opportunity. Like he he wasn't speaking. He there was like a small group of people that were with him at the end, and he wasn't speaking. He wasn't accepting uh, visitors. And um, the person who was the liaison asked me asked me and whoever was on the short email list of people. You know, if you had something to say to Les, say say it now. This is your last chance. And it was so much urgency in that I panicked. I'm like, how do you say goodbye? Yeah. Without like, yeah. Without saying goodbye, you know, without yeah. making it about goodbye. How you know? How do you like? I, it's almost like. What do you even say? What yeah, do you, you even? Is you, it a you know? roast? Is it a, a tribute? Is it like? Yeah. How, I want to yeah. inject like love and humor. Like you don't want to make I, it sad either. Like you don't want to make yeah, it. Yeah, I don't want to bring him down. He's like, already going through so much yeah. stuff that I don't want to make it like I don't want to make it arbitrary. Like yeah. not just like a like ciao. Like I don't also how yeah. do I really speak my heart? Yeah, well know? I mean it sounded like you did what was you know what was right and what was what was needed to be said and i told him like you can't break it out paraphrase it i didn't want to go on forever i didn't want to think about it too long i didn't want to overthink it because then i would be like want to talk about everything i'd want i have so much to say i had so much i wanted to let him know so So many memories so many so many things so many things happened no yeah 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 and i wanted just to you know try to get to the heart of it like the core the core of what it was 
Well, I think, from his you know, from his response, it sounds it sounds like you did. You know? Yeah, you know he he, uh, he he got where I was coming from, and he and his reaction to the person to tell me is David knows how I feel about him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's special, man. Cut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, definitely, man. I mean, it's uh, fucking heavy, man. Mm. Yeah. I just know that, like, when he. He decided he's going to, like, his decision, he's going to just go out. He was done. He was done fighting. And I know that he was, like, with very good people and a very good support team who was, like, hence the healthcare people who were taking very good care of him. And he had, you know, holding his hand very close to him, very good people who I've also met. He introduced me to these people. They're part of my life, too. You know, and so I know that he couldn't ask for a better. Yeah, surrounded by love and you know, audience, positive. yeah. Good and, vibes. Yeah. 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 But you know, so I, tr- I I tried desperately not to dwell on trying to imagine what he was feeling. You know, even even just having having to hear. Or having to have him, you know, explain to me how he feels, like, yeah. breaks, breaks yeah. my heart. Because I always knew he loved me. Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. absolutely. And I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, and that's the best, that's the best response that you could ever get. Because you, because exactly like you said, you, you always, you know, you've always known, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, you know. And I, and I know that's how he feels about all those people that he's close to. You know, and even with all that harshness, that bitter, that grit, that grinding, you know, it for him it was all about love for people that he had, the love for that life, that love for that that staying up and going to round the clock diner, you know, where um actually the yakitori places. A lot of that that grit and 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 gruffness is because of well, exactly what you're saying is because. I love this shit so much, and I love who you are so much that you know. Yeah, if you're and he's a hard guy. Doing this or whatever, then that's why I'm fucking pissed, man. That's why I'm angry, you know. And yeah, and he's he's a hardened guy, you know, from life. Yeah. Life, life weathered him. Uh, from a whole different because, time. Because yeah, because yeah, he also decided to live hard too. There's a lot of drugs, alcohol, late night excitement, rock and roll, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That was his thing, you know. Yeah. And he lived it, and art. I mean, he was the one who showed me that sex, drugs, rock and roll, and art was like that. That art was a part true, of that. You a know? true thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, it yeah. Just, you don't just have to be a musician. You can also be a painter or a sculptor. Yeah. And be, yeah. It's like, hey, <laughs> what about us? You know, <laughs> we're part of this too. And he was yeah. a real, like, a, a visionary for that, and he was able to, you know, he recognized 
talents and he elevated them here when even if he didn't fully believe in it but he cared about the person he didn't think about their art there was a lot of art that he promoted that was bad art but he loved the person but the, the yeah. person was in that art you know what i yeah. mean like there's yeah. like maybe it's not a cup of tea but he recognized the person in the art whether or yeah. not the art was something as elevated as something else that he was showing didn't matter it was all about like yeah it made it that much more special because how much he loved the the, the person yeah. behind it the art was secondary. Like it was an important part of it, but it wasn't what made him choose who he worked with or who he lived with, who he spent mm -hmm. his time with. And that was, um, that was an enlightenment for me. Yeah. And, I mean, and, didn't he do a whole book just about hot rods or something like that at one of point? Cars. Yeah. He did all about cars. Actually go by yeah. shit houses in that. In yeah. That and book. it's just because like, which was completely, I mean, I, I, I think I actually, I did see the book, but, I don't really remember it, but, but like just the reason why I bring it up, because it seemed like it was just such a different, you know, it wasn't what you would expect from less, you know what I mean? But right. It's like, yeah. oh, I love this shit too. But that <laughs> was his, that was his thing. Like I'm he would find, about this. he would find commonalities in, in art and yes. artists that he followed and he would harp on them. There was a, another book he never got to make, but one that he wanted was all about beds. He wanted to do a book of artist rendition of the bed, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, you know, because there's a great, great concept. <laughs> but that's him, man. He would find like the, 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 not maybe the supporting actor of every painting, you know, like he would, and he would give recognition to that, to that commonality that isn't as, as noticeable, like in the shadows yeah. of things he would recognize. He saw the whole picture, you know, yeah. He's very, very good eye. You know, he comes from a world of advertising. And but he didn't use that that blood sucking money like sucking part of advertising. He would use the you know the mental triggers and 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 visual triggers and understanding mm, the connection of commonalities. And, yeah, the connection and commonalities of things, and um, in, in expose that through art. You know, he had that kind of head. You know, it just. Ex exploring adventurous you know or go beyond like you'd see something's like this is the product actually this product opens up to this like he sees the next step you know his, his brain yeah. was always going like the further steps there was no end to a painting or or a show there was like this is just okay what's this opening up yeah what, what, what is this leading what's to next? What's, what, yeah, what, yeah. Yeah, not next because like we're done with this. Next because this is a birth of something else. This is yeah, an absolutely. ongoing process. This is an evolving process. Absolutely. Yeah. And just talking about him, look how look how he he, he inspires the an understanding of art. Like mm -hmm. he is was a soil that blossomed that grew this like Yeah. Well it, this it, perspective. Got, it got you always so excited. I mean that was the thing with what I was saying earlier, but like always hoping at the, at the, at the hangouts, like, Oh, I think, you know, like, like thinking to myself, you know, you think less is going to come by or sometimes <laughs> even like, you know, less contact me early tonight. He's even, he might stop by and do get all, yeah. Oh, yeah. like fucking yeah. like that fucking vibration in you. And, and you know, cause yeah. it's like, what's going to, what, what are we going to talk yeah. about? You know? Cause he would what's come in happen, gangbusters. You know? He would always come in gangbusters. And you know you'd yeah. be sitting at the table yeah. maybe with like Marcus or Travis or somebody. Somebody always is, brings something too. Wouldn't he always yeah. bring something? 
It's always, always been beer or something. Like shit that you food. wouldn't shit that he wouldn't even drink or food right. or something. Like you know, no. it was just he, was he didn't want gentleman. to come in empty handed or whatever. Yeah. An absolute yeah. gentleman. An absolute yeah. gentleman. Yeah. You know, without having to put on any sort of like a, a suit or anything. He was a fucking gentleman. And yeah. And you couldn't wait for him to get into the discussion with somebody else about politics. Like, that yeah, like yeah. you can't wait, like, him and Marcus to go out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even, well, yeah, fucking, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> See, like, oh, shit, right. Yeah. But, but the other thing was, too, is that the idea of, uh, not the idea, but, but what you reminded me of is also, too, you're getting super excited because you're like, Oh, this person never met Les before. So it's like, right. and they were yeah. artists or whatever, or or even right. if they weren't an artist. But like, right. if they were an artist, it was even more exciting. Yeah. And if they were into like, you know, you know, Geezer. that scene of yeah. it was like yeah. really exciting because then because they, they didn't know that he was coming over and they didn't even yeah. know who he was. So then it's like, oh man, it got the, you know what I mean? And it's like, and then yeah. you got to be the fly on the wall by watching like this exactly. whole thing you know develop and because and, and, he's uh, always had the potential of opening up somebody's world yeah. even wider like enriching yeah. he's gonna it's gonna peel you open like a pomegranate and he's gonna pluck every little fucking seed out he's going to expose you to something he's gonna open you up if you yeah. if you've got it if you got the fucking guts if you got the if yeah. you can withstand yeah. it yeah. you know yeah well like it, he was like the awakening you know <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. like like your mindset of what you thought about the way that maybe the industry worked or, or something. Um, I don't know. Some I don't know. He would kind of like fucking, you know, he would, he would, he would, he would, he would brush those leaves up aside and show you the, the path of, you yeah. Know. So yeah. some truth into things the truth. Based, yeah, based, yeah. On, based on experience, not just based on his philosophy yeah. or opinion. It was like, Oh, cause he fucking experienced it. Cause he, he, he worked with these people. he, He's yeah. been through this. Yeah, okay, he uh, blew uh, my mind about industry shit that I wouldn't I wouldn't talk about here because it's it's private. But like, right. like I talked to him about certain industry things, and I was like, what? You know, and like was kind of this big awakening, and I was like, fuck, that's crazy. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's good for that. He 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 did a service to a lot of artists by yeah. exposing them, whether or not they were willing to accept it. Or some people cringed from it and ran away, or some people denied it, some people embraced it. You know, I didn't always embrace what he had to show me. I had to sort of like learn on my own sometimes that sure. like, the harsh realities are that harsh. Climb yeah. your own mountain, you know. But I want to I want to give one more quick um, uh, regale you one more quick uh, memory of with less experience. Um, one night I was uh, I was bartending at Hi-Fi. You know, it was one of those, it was one of those like non-eventful nights, you know, where maybe Wednesday night. Yeah, it wasn't I'm a gonna, weekend. I'm, so I'm going to stay open till 4 a.m., but, you know, it's like uh, seven people in the bar and I know six of them, you know. And I remember it was me, it was um, Gibby. Remember my roommate Gibby? Yep. Who, no, um, no, 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 no. He had the tattoo neck and he, he had a lot of tattoos and he... um. He was in a, a band for, called The Trouble from Boston. Oh, I don't think. Well, did I know you back then? Uh, I think you might have. I don't remember. You must have. Yeah. I, well, maybe not. I mean, I was still with Darla at the time, and I remember that we yeah, no, I sort know, of I towards the you. end of my relationship with Darla. It was already kind of like. But anyway, it was it was one of those nights, and 
I was outside having a cigarette with, you know, Gibby, and we were all standing outside smoking on the street. You know, the bar was pretty much empty because we were all just standing out there smoking. And a cab pulls up, and Les is in the back of the cab. And coming up the street, up, you know, down Avenue A towards, or up towards 14th Street, was like a group of like four or five kids, maybe 20, to 25 year old whatever young drunk blah blah and they're just loud what time, and drunk and what, what time would you, would you say it is roughly roughly i would say 1 32 a.m okay so it's okay yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. you know on a week weekday you know not like a weekend yeah so most most of the city's quiet most of the things are closed except for the you know pizza joint falafel joint and bodegas and yeah. the bars and and so Cab pulls up. These drunk kids are walking. One of the drunk kids decides like, to go off the sidewalk, jump on the bumper of the car and then the hood and jump on the hood of the cab and like, yeah, you know, and the cab driver is like, what are you doing? You know, and, and, and Les is in the back, you know, trying to pay and he's like, yell something like you, you know, he's like, you're a fucking idiot. You, you're fucking, you know, you stupid little piece of shit. You know, what are you doing? Like this is so fucking dis- disrespectful. Jump on this cabbie's hood you know you drunk little yeah, I, I, uh, you yeah. little you little fucking yuppie you little whatever and so les gets out of the cab and they, they walk like a few steps this way and they yell something back in hey, something something old man yeah, yeah man, fuck you old man some shit and you know at that point we're all just standing there like amazed like oh. what is going on this is crazy <laughs> and les is just like, a few feet away and then you know they yelled and they curse at les and Les kind of like turns and looks at us, gives us like this glare, you know, with a cigarette in his mouth, takes his cowboy boot off his foot, walks up to one of the kids who turn around, walk away, and takes the heel of the boot and clocks this kid in the back of the head. <laughs> and there's like a group of five, and and all of a sudden we're like, it's it's on, you know? <laughs> it's like <laughs> We might be getting into a big fight. Yeah, this, this there's a brawl going down, but but Les took care of business right then and there. He showed that kid. It's like you're gonna yell at some random old guy after jumping on a car like that. This random old guy is gonna take off the his fucking shoe. And it's you know like his back feet. of those cowboy boots with those yeah. wooden heels. That's a wooden fucking heel. We heard that thing connect to that guy's head. And, you know, they just, like, stunned the kid. He didn't knock him out. They fucking just, like, took off. We're yeah. just like, fuck, man. And, and it all just ended very quickly. And there was I bet you everybody had shots after that. Oh, we went we went into there, and we all had some drinks. Like, unless it's here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's the kind of guy he was. He did not give a fuck. I yeah, I remember you telling that before. I forgot about that story though. Oh my god! And the thing is, the thing is, oh, in the, in the after, you know, I told you about that le- that last letter I sent to Les and his reaction. One other thing he said to Christine, the woman who was reading all the letters people were writing to him, and she was our liaison. Christine fucking did amazing, amazing job of just letting us know what was happening throughout his whole ordeal yeah. over a year. It's just like a lot of operations, a lot of procedures. She was she was amazing liaison. And she said that he told her, you know, like be sure to ask David about the time when you come across the t shirt with the boots. Because Gibby, 
he was always making t-shirts like about stuff. One time he made me a t-shirt, that thing upstairs is not my daughter because we we're like up all night watching Exorcist, you know, and uh, he decided, <laughs> and, and he made a t-shirt of that for me. And so he made a t-shirt with some pictures of cowboy boots in that Les Haddon's collection. So it's like, when you're going through my stuff and come across that shirt, ask David to uh, tell you that story. So that's that story. Yeah. And I don't remember. He must have wrote something on the boots. He might have even said something that was like became a catchphrase for us for last. I don't remember because a lot of memories from these days are uh, kind of a blur. Yeah, blur. Yeah. What you could see because, you know, we were we were up late nights doing a lot of drinking and smoking. But classic less experience right there. That was a classic. That's what you could expect. You know, don't fuck with the man. Yeah. Yeah. Don't cross well, the back. Don't cross the line. Don't cross the line. If you're a young upstart who's going to cross the line, you he loved to educate people of a true New York experience, not just like yeah. oh, bottle service and you know an Uber. No, that's not a New York experience. No, you know, it is. Yeah. You open your mouth to the wrong guy and you get a boot to the back of the head, thinking that you're totally safe in the East Village. You know, it's like, yeah. Mm, yeah. Eh, yeah. sorry. This old man happens to be the wrong old man to fucking to cross. Fucking with. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, man. Never forget that. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Yeah. I can still hear you. <laughs> you do. You do. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna call it night. I'm gonna say. You know. I'm, I'm not done with the. The stories are never over. That's for sure. No. But I am um, glad I got to share. We get to share our. Absolutely. Our stories. Yeah, it'd be good know. to get some other people on, like you said, and you know, you know, yeah. talk, have some more stories and more conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not done. Like, uh, I'm not done talking about him. He's, he's going to be, yeah. you know, he has been part of my life for a long time. He's going to be for the rest of my life. And, uh, you know, I think there's going to be a, a time to, to remember and honor him constantly. So we'll get yeah. back to that some more. But thank you for um, thank you for listening out there. I hope that yeah. if you don't know less, you will get to know who he who he was. If you do know less, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. And if you want to share your story if you know less and you're listening and you want to share a story write to us at gimmebabble at gmail.com and um we'll maybe be able to finagle uh a, a call with you yeah. about it you know it's hard yeah. enough for us to call to, to do this with each other but yeah, we'll do with each it. other yeah 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 <laughs> but in that case i think we, we we would definitely make it for sure make it happen that'd be great man yeah make that effort yeah and uh, yeah, and yeah. that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Love you less. Yeah, love you very much. Never forget you. Thank you for everything. And I, one last thing I told him, I said I wasn't done with him. I said I'm still going to be bothering you and calling on you for advice. So don't <laughs> think you're off the hook. And it's true. It's not off the hook. Still going to be fucking. Uh, still looking for answers, buddy. So yeah. Send me some of those messages in a bottle somehow. And David, I love you very, very much. I love much. you too, brother. I love you too, man. No and doubt, uh, man. This is great to do this. Yeah. And uh, you can find us on YouTube and on SoundCloud <laughs> and here at Gimme Babble. 
So, and this is cheer up. Yeah, yeah video podcast. <laughs> yeah, and now we're on video. It's it's really hard to get into this whole thing sometimes, but you know that's what it is. That's what it is. Big part of it. Big part of everything that we do is this darkness that comes along with it. And isn't yeah. that what we're wind up celebrating all quite yeah. often? I mean, look well, at you said something so poetic earlier, and I, I I can't remember what it was, but it had to do with uh, you know, there is no light without darkness, and and. But it was it was much more deeper and special, and I can't wait to go back. And go back and listen to it. Right <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful, because it made me it made me appreciate kind of uh, I don't know the mindset that I kind of go into a little bit more, you know. Yeah. So. I mean, exploring it is and understanding is a big part of um, uh, dealing with it and healing and and um, yeah. And these are the times when most sort of need to understand the mm-hmm. pain, where the pain comes from, and that there is another side to the pain, and that when you, and so on and so forth. Okay. There you Buddy, go. There you have I it. love you. I love, I love you all. Most yeah. of you out there. <laughs> I really, really, really dislike, really, but you know, it's not personal. It's just the way I feel. All right. David, All I'll right, talk brother. to you soon. Uh, huh? I'll talk to you soon. I love you, brother. Let's say goodbye.